Hey, this is Copacetic. You're listening to the Music A to Z podcast. Brow, yeah! Hello and welcome to the Music A to Z podcast. I'm Steve Ferguson. And I am Doug Ferguson. It has been such a long time, Doug. Welcome back. Yes, thank you. I feel welcome. Yes. Uh, Merry Christmas, Castles. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Castles. And a Happy New Year, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost forgot about all that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Yay, Sarah's dissolved, though. They're yeah, just, it's true. Yeah. They're done. They're done. Yeah. It's, it's too bad. Although, it's, it's, the nice thing is, though, is that you can actually, uh, you can get the complete Yay, Sarah discography, well, right? That's why, you know, I, more and more, I, I actually don't feel too bad when bands kind of call it quits. Um, before that reason is that they can now have a complete discography. Um, and, you know, like... Sometimes there's this band that you're going like, oh, are they still going? Mm. Are they still doing it? And and I, I, I kind of, I, I, you know, sometimes they're still releasing quality material, but sometimes it just kind of peters out. And mm-hmm. and uh, and so it's, it's kind of nice when you can just say, okay, you know, I think this band has said everything it needs, it needs to say. I think we're done, you know? Or, you know, the the time between releases is, gets to be so long. Like New Order released uh, a new track last year. And it's like, well, when was the last time they released anything? And and yeah. uh, and for that matter, it's like it's they're busy. It's like why? And and well, I mean, the track was okay, but you know. Also, sometimes when your band is old enough, you can kind of just like you know coast a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like New Order has gotten output to the to a point where it's like, you know, they're just going to release stuff when they feel like it, and they can just enjoy their their soft retirement. And they don't need to funnel any more money into that club, so uh, they can basically keep what they make, I guess. Now, Doug, before we uh, before we got going, I know you've got something on your mind. I wanted to play something for you. Okay. From the early Opry days through the dim lights, thick smoke, and loud, loud music of honky-tonk, western swing, and alt-country. And then we throw in all manner of bluegrass and old-time music. And you're right where we want you. In the Pines. Tune in every Sunday from 2.30 to 4 p.m. for the finest in traditional and contemporary bluegrass, old-time music, and real country on co-op radios in the Pines. Uh, so congratulations, Doug. You you have a radio ad. Yeah. Uh, not, not for any of your, so your, your products, no, uh, but... But your your voice, uh, you're out on the radio now. Congratulations. Um. Well, yes. Thank you. I. I uh, oh yeah. 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 I, I mean, mean, this was the thing that, like, as kids and teens, I mean, like, oh man, to be like to be on the radio. I mean, like, for for you fellow millennials out there, I mean, who else wanted to be like a DJ on the radio? You know, who else wanted mm-hmm. to be on the radio? We all did. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's it's kind of cool. I guess you know those uh, voiceover classes. I would say they're starting to pay for themselves, but I guess it didn't charge anything for that so congratulations <laughs> it's kind of nice i could you know put it in like a demo reel or something like that so yeah no absolutely if yeah. you want if you want to have the master file go ask go for it i just found it very strange that they had a fully completed at the pines file uh, that you used before 
with yeah. the voiceover, and then they seem to this seems to be one now that has no voiceover. It was the migration over to the new site. Uh, a lot of files haven't made their. I, I I realize why they haven't made their way over. It's because they're they're kind of screening through the ones they don't need anymore. Uh, shows that aren't on anymore, uh, ones that are outdated. And m- my assumption is that they put the wrong one on. That's 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 my thoughts. I don't actually know. But, you know, I saw, you know, we're supposed to promote our fellow shows. I, I saw uh, an opening. You know, after a while, you get tired of playing the same ads, you know. And I was just like, you know, I've got a quick opportunity to just, you know, to just get it done. And it only took like 10 minutes. Hopefully the uh, In the Pines people... Don't mind the end. Maybe hopefully they're not like that guy's voice sucks, <laughs> and then just throw it out. Yeah, so. I, I don't think they'll mind. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. Uh, Kim Ed at the station. He's like, yeah, thanks for that, man. I put it up, and uh, so um, so there you go. So it's available for all the programmers to go on to rotation. So, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, Doug, tell me what's on your mind. Well, this is a segment that has been weighing heavily on me. Like honestly, like it's been weighing heavily on me to kind of an abs- absurd degree. Considering it has nothing to do with me. Uh-huh. Okay, so this is what uh, a segment I would like to call What Taylor Swift is Doing is Actually Bad. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you just made me do. Look what you just made me So, are you aware of the most recent uh, stuff going on with Taylor Swift as far as like her re-release? Her, her red, uh, the, what, the red re-release or whatever? And um, uh, Yeah, it was basically, it was an F you to the label um, and had to do with the producer and the label. And yeah. I watched a whole video on it. Um, no. I think Legal Eagle, he did, uh, he did a great video on it. He did. And, and Rick Beato, uh, he... Well, he jo- he joined in on Legal Eagles video, right, right, right. But also, he had a, his own his own release. And now, that in and of itself, that whole like redoing her whole her old catalog, mm-hmm. I don't have anything against that per se. That's fine. So the thing about like, okay, well, I, I don't want the label who screwed me over to be making any more money off these albums. I'm reclaiming it. Or That's... it's not even the label. I think it is somebody who outbid her to buy the masters. Oh yes. Her. Nope. That's yeah. it. That was so. It. Um, that was which it. it was which is you know something that's not new to the industry. Uh, classic case of Michael Michael Jackson, Jackson and the Beatles. Um, outbidding Paul McCartney for yeah. the Beatles catalog. Yeah. Um, which you know again was a crappy thing to do. Dick I'm, move. I'm not. I'm not for it. And if I'm sure that uh, if maybe if they had the powers to do so or the the idea to re-record those albums. Maybe they would have. I don't think it would have been a good idea, personally. But by the, by the 70s, though, <laughs> or the or 80s, 80s, is the 80s, because okay. it was after their collaborations. Yeah, so, like, yeah, who, who would have even... I don't know, okay, I don't, I'm sorry, mild tangent, I don't know what's worse, buying the Beatles catalog after collaborating and having a friendship, or if he and Paul never met. I don't know which one would have been worse. Uh, I think it's worse with the friendship. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's because that's a, that's a stab in the back. I yeah. think personally, but anyway, again, that's not my problem. Mm. Do you know the buzz around the Red album specifically? If uh, Phil and Doug, Phil okay, because because like, okay, per, uh, personally, like I've spent the majority of my my life, or, or the majority of, of Taylor Swift's career, let's say. Mm. Um, Trying to pay as little attention to her as possible, <laughs> but now that I am married, sorry, to somebody... sorry, Travis. <laughs> Travis, big T Swift fan. He, he 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 loves those Taylor Swift inspirational quotes and uh, anyway, gone. Okay, anyway, um, I just I just for the most part I have just I have felt very little toward her music. Um, I just like it doesn't evoke much of anything from me, or at least that's used to be the case. Um, 
But as I have now married somebody who is a very big Taylor Swift fan, I would say it's my 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 listening my, has been oversaturated now with Taylor Swift. Okay. So I, and as well as that, I'm being told the background because because Taylor she's very open about like what all these songs are about. Yeah. Sure. She in fact uh, that's part of the problem. She's a little too open about what everything's about. So this particular song, uh, the, the, it's the 10 minute version of a song called. Uh, okay, yeah, it's, it's called all, all too, too well, well. The 10 minute version, right? All right. Uh, very cleverly named. She, apparently, she used to date Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep. And she was uh, the the apparently uh, the original All Too Well was about it, but this one is 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 a very thorough takedown of Jake Gyllenhaal. It is a it is a a pure character assassination attempt um, to <laughs> just uh, just uh, I don't know just to drag his name through the mud ten years after they've broken up. Taylor Swift fans have uh, not only dogpiled on him, I don't know if he's ever responded to this because maybe he's just trying to like ride the wave out of bad PR, um, but they've also dogpiled on other exes of Taylor's, including uh, tons of death threats to John Mayer. And like, this isn't about John Mayer. She didn't, <laughs> this is, it's just the fact that he dated her and there's a lot of uh, attacks on, you know, the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal was 10 years older than her. But that's the thing is that there's, as with anything, that there's there's a certain point of view. You get 100% Taylor's iteration of that story. Mm-hmm. The, you know, like with any relationship, there's more than one side of a story. There just is. Uh, and and I'm not gonna say that the things she's saying are wrong or in, untrue. Um, I just think that it is irresponsible for her to essentially weaponize her fan base into uh, bullying her exes. I think that that is very irresponsible. Well, counterpoint, how do you feel about, uh, in that case, uh, Pink and Beyonce, who, who definitely, definitely do that as well? Um, well, I don't know for sure. I can't speak for their particular instances, but I know that, uh, you know, there was that whole lemonade thing with Beyonce, which was sort of a nice little... Uh, you cheated on me and I'm angry about a thing. Mm. But here's the thing, like, okay, well, actually, this will kind of tie into it. But, uh, you know, Taylor has a an image that mm. she's been keeping up. And and her image is, if I had to, like, sum it up, it's poor Taylor. <laughs> poor Taylor, look what you made her do. Poor <laughs> Taylor. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you, she, the press bullies her, she's got to shake it off. Mm. Poor Taylor, this poor Taylor, that. Um, she's really made a great, a great career out of kind of this victimization thing. Oh, I see. Um, and whereas Beyonce and Pink, <laughs> I see where you're going. Beyonce <laughs> and Pink uh, use it as a point of empowerment. Maybe. I, again, I can't speak for them. I don't know. I don't know the particular instances. The, but the thing is, is like, um, this has worked out very well for Taylor ever since Kanye was a jackass to her and like and interrupted her. Award. I said poor Taylor. I uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, he handed her like her, the best career move ever. <laughs> just just by being a complete jerk uh, on the uh, what was it, the Grammys? Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, when it comes to defending the other person's position, people are very like standoffish, be like, "Whoa, you're know, like, you're trying to silence women's ability to speak out against abusers and stuff like that." Sure. Um, and I don't, I just really don't think so. I, I really don't think this this is comparable because. A lot of people come out against abusers and people and, and people who've hurt them uh, at great cost to themselves. Um, I don't even think that there's been allegations of abuse, just a bad breakup. No, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing is that the people are kind of treating it as if like he has, um, like, like you know, it, 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 people are treating it like it's the like he he deserves everything he gets. 
everything he gets he completely deserves and again i'm not saying some of the things she's saying aren't true i'm just saying it's one point of view and uh the point of view that is feeding into the narrative taylor which has of herself of poor taylor and at the end of the day that since the primary discussion around this album is that 10 minute version of the song really what this all is is promo for her album that is the issue mm. her testimony is completely untrustworthy based off the notion that it's all publicity it's a hundred percent publicity for people to get to stream her album and it worked this is like this was record-breaking streams on mm. that album and she's making a mint off of it and if you have anyone giving a testimony in court or anything and it is and their testimony has direct financial motivation to be in their favor you can't take it for, you can't take it seriously and that that's essentially what it comes down to is um i would take her more seriously if she didn't have so much to gain from dragging his name through the mud i think is what she's doing is really wrong really irresponsible and i will have nothing to do with it it reminds <laughs> me uh when lady gaga went on howard stern for the first time and she hadn't even appeared on the show yet she was due to appear a little later and all her uh, her fan base, Little Monsters, I think they call themselves, mm. um, already were sending threats to Howard Stern because he's a shock jock, right? Oh, yeah, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, he's an opinionated bastard, and he's the first one to admit that. And uh, all, all the stuff like, oh, you better treat her nicely, oh, you know, and and like some some threats, and he was getting all these. And then when he when she actually finally appeared, first off, he was extremely flattering to her um, because he rec- she has balls. And he likes that. He likes it when 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 people are challenging to the media, and when people are, you know, ha- are you know forging an image for themselves uh, that shocks people because that's what he does. Actually, yeah, he was very flattering to her. Not like he was just hitting on her. He did hit on her a bit. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, but also, but also there was, um, you know, there was there was a, a really good conversation. But he did say he's like, well, you know, just FYI, I've been getting all these uh, all these nasty messages from your fans, and she shut it down. Right there, she said, "You know what, guys? That's not what we're about. Don't worry, Mama Bear can can defend herself. That's not what we're about." I believe one hundred percent, Lady Gaga can take care of herself. Yeah, she can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was the right response entirely. It's just like she has built uh, an image and a career about expressing yourself, shutting down bullying, and accepting people. And I have no doubt that the last thing she wants to hear is her fan base bullying others. That's probably the last thing she wants to hear. So I, th- I thought she did fantastic. Yeah. I just really had to get that out there because it's like even hearing people very close to me really like laughing at the expense of, of you know, guys like Jake Gyllenhaal and, and John Mayer. And, and like I said something like, yeah, well, they're piling on John Mayer. And they're like, yeah, ha, 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 ha. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what are you talking about? This is not good. This is terrible. It comes across as completely vindictive uh, on on taylor's part and i just i just i just can't get behind that i'm like honestly like look i've been in relationships where i was treated really crappy too there's a point where you just gotta let it go and honestly like there's i don't have a single ex that i wish harm upon i honestly all of them i do i really i honestly wish them all well uh despite like the varying degrees of how i may have been mistreated or or, or i may have mistreated them uh, it's just relationships are complex. There's always two points of view. And I think we just need to let the past be the past and not get our fan base to bully people for streams. 
All right, there you go. <laughs> Shall we talk about Star Wars? <laughs> well, I was actually, I was going to segue, but because the band we're covering today talk a lot about Affairs of the Heart, like a lot, in fact, base albums off of it and base albums off of hurt and resentment and forgiveness and letting go and falling back in love and uh, back and forth. But uh, Doug, yeah, uh, don't. <laughs> oh, what was the name of the band again? Stars. Okay, so um, let's quickly go into how we came across Stars first, because I, I remember this pretty vividly. Okay. We were working downtown at yes. uh, at the then Paramount Theater Vancouver. Yes. Famous now, Players Paramount Vancouver now. Now the the very poorly named Scotiabank Theater Vancouver. Yeah. The um, which, is, which has been that longer than it was ever the Paramount, so. Yeah, that's weird to think about, but significantly. Significantly. It wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, okay. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that it was like it had the Paramount signage for a long time. Yes, that's but, true. But it wasn't actually named Paramount for. Yeah, it took them a while to swap it all out. It's uh, money, man. It's money. But yeah, I remember I was definitely working there. There was you, and there was another gal who um, who were just getting into set yourself on fire, and you sent me the big fight. Okay, and, yeah. Um, basically, I was lent the album actually by a, a co-worker. You remember her? Marta. Marta, yep. Yeah. And like she, we had a good CD trade session. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she loved the White Stripes. Interpol. I remember I lent her Minus the Bear as well, and she quite liked that. And she, yeah, she let me uh, do, uh, no, I was supposed to call it Do You Trust Your Friends? No. <laughs> she uh, let me set yourself on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you sent me the big fight, and I was just like, oh, this is some interesting, uh, like, alternative uh, jazz sort of stuff. And you you warned me at the time, you said, oh, by the way, this isn't reflective of the, the whole album. There's a lot of sounds that they experiment with. It's just, you had a, you had a real fondness for that song, and I, yeah. I also had a, re- a real fondness for that song as well. But, I mean, it didn't take long before both of us scooped that album. Yeah. I think basically I gave it back and bought my own. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, actually come to think of it, I think you bought it around the same time. I don't think there was much time at all between. Mm-hmm. No, we got to stars in a big way, but, um, and then basically with every release, we, I mean, there was a, there was a point in time when we were both really on the stars bandwagon and we started looking for harder to find stuff. Like, uh, I picked up the comeback EP. I don't remember if I found it in a store, if I ordered it over Amazon, it's, it's been a while folks. The comeback, I bought, I bought mine at the downtown HMV. 
Okay. It is, yeah, they were really good at the time, so it's possible I got it there, too. We had this amazing HMV downtown. Mm -hmm. It used to be a Virgin Megastore. And then when Virgin decided to pull out from Canada, all that stock stayed and HMV then slowly started selling it off. It was a huge, uh, a huge store. Like it, was, it, was, it was tons, tons of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, three, three stories, lots of DVDs, and also like, oh, there's a whole section that was like a jazz section, jazz section, uh, um, e- e- a classical section, um, electronica on the top floor. Can you believe that it's going to be ten years since it closed this year? Oh no! Yeah. Do you, do you I think remember it because uh, I it was Dad's fiftieth birthday, and I <laughs> and after I went to. Pay my respects to the uh, the H and B, just kind of peering peering in the window, seeing what it was, and it's turned into a Victoria's Secret, which is still there. Ten years of Victoria's Secret, you know. And the thing is, I didn't I didn't know if a location that big could last, but apparently, what do I know? Kasabian's Velociraptor had just come out. Uh, I remember it was new. Oh, it was pretty okay. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, no, it didn't take long for us to start to get on the Stars bandwagon. They didn't have many releases at that point. I remember picking up Do You Trust Your Friends when it was very new, and then basically, you know, following from there. Uh, we went to the uh, in our bedroom after the war tour. It's true. And we yeah. Did, yeah. Wow. That's that's been unreasonably long. And yeah. we did. Uh, I remember the one of the was it two opening bands. There were it? kisses was one, right? I'm not sure, but Miracle Fortress was definitely one. Oh yes, definitely Miracle. I don't Fortress. think I think kisses was uh, for somebody else. Uh, Miracle Fortress, which was uh, the album I think they were promoting. I I was kind of so so on. I seem to recall one of their albums I really liked. Uh, it's it's been a while. Well, they've only actually released two albums. Okay, well, one yeah. album I really liked, and the other one I thought was so so. Did they never come out with anything else? They uh, they well, it's primarily he. It really became a uh, more of a single guy act. He he released a bunch of singles. So it was mm-hmm. a two albums and a and a handful of singles. Uh, okay, well, let's go to the history now. When we think stars, let's be honest, we think Torquil Campbell, Amy Millen, Chris Seligman. And Evan Cranley. And that's that's when most people think of stars. And certainly when you look at the promotional material, that seems to be stars. However, that's not 100% true. And in fact, let's go all the way back to their history, which was 1999-ish when uh, Tor Campbell and Chris Seligman, uh, Tor Campbell being a child actor who still dabbles in acting occasionally, and Chris Seligman... Uh, who is a multi-instrumentalist, but uh, is very much uh, one of the the brains of the band. They got together for, oh, a lot of little lies for the sake of one big truth. Oh, the little, oh yeah, the little EP. Yeah, now, did you ever pick this one up? No, it's hard to find. Uh, and it's not on Spotify. No, it's not. No, actually, their, their earliest stuff is, their pre-heart no, stuff. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it, this one, the comeback, mm-hmm. and Night Songs, uh, Night songs are not on Spotify. So again, there's one of the downsides of Spotify. Everybody, they they just don't have everything. Yeah. Now, um, uh, now I that being said, no one source has everything. The EP, I understand, it's kind of a generate buzz EP. Um, it's got some of the stuff that would turn up on their first LP, "Going Going Gone" and "On Peak Hill." They have got the live versions, but the demo of "When" and "Theme from the Stars," I don't think I've heard. Yeah. So unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to listen to this album. So or this EP. Yeah, but I know we were we were definitely aware of it, but it just seems like a little too much hassle to track down, especially since there's a lot of. Um, like this is kind of the stuff I'm not super like interested. It's it's like it's a deep cut this one. Yeah. Um. Like the, like my radio and this charming man being on another album and just a couple of live songs. I'm just like, eh, I don't need live, live songs. songs, which is also shared with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would be curious to hear this theme from the stars. Um. So I guess you know, I, I guess I dropped the ball. 
having not listened to it. I'm, I'm sorry, Steve. It's all good down in the hood. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say is that the before they signed on with Arts and Crafts, uh, I did kind of like the art direction. It was very mm-hmm. reflective of the music, kind of minimalist, but still kind of popped. Hell, let's let's pop over to 2001 and let's talk about Night Songs. Night Songs is uh, an album that I I still to this day I have a deep affection for. Even though uh, I would say about half of the album is just kind of okay. At this point, really, it's just Torque and Chris. It's the two of them. I don't really have any information as to where they recorded, but uh, knowing that uh, Heart was recorded in a bedroom, I am very curious where and how they recorded Night Songs. Amy Millen showed up for Toxic Holiday. She was not a part of the band. Emily Haynes uh, showed up for a couple of the songs. Very notably, Going, Going, Gone, which I will express a lot of love for, but I know it can be a difficult song because it has got a repeated electric electronic tone and it can kind of come off as a bit grating but i find that electronic sound paired with emily haynes's very beautiful simple voice to be very compelling and then when it mixes in with the uh the instrumentation later um i really i really like i've always had such a fond affection for that song and then um a cover from the smiths yeah this charming man a fantastic fantastic cover song does it sounds enough like the original that you know that it it's the cover but they've done enough uh enough with it that it's it's got its own identity you've got a very simple electronic track with true true uh toxic holiday sounds kind of more like what stars would morph into and then the two my radio mixes but i will say hands down probably my favorite uh, favorite song on this album is the first one, Counting Stars on the Ceiling. Yeah, they uh, got a lot of good openers, mm-hmm. as, we'll, as we'll see down the road. I And, and okay, this is a point that I wanted to get into, in that um, the ambiguity behind naming themselves stars. I have never seen a definitive reason for why they called themselves stars. Are they referring to the stars in the sky? Are they referring to uh, stars as like uh, fame? And maybe that ambiguity is good. And anytime they kind of drop the word stars in any of their songs, like uh, in Look Up, they have a, um, a refrain about stars as well. It almost seems like on the verge of self-referential. So when they say counting stars on the ceiling, it almost seems like, yeah, okay, maybe they're just looking at the ceiling or maybe it's actually the sky. You know, whatever. The, the ambiguity of the lyrics, I find really 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 compelling in this song and linking into the name of the band as well i i really love and i really love the 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 tone of the song i really love the, the sentiment of the song all in all I'm, go- I'm not gonna lie i i really really dig this album it is a very minimalistic album the, uh, it is it is obviously some most of the time uh a synth and a guitar and maybe like a maybe like a little backing percussion track but uh but as far as minimalist albums go, I, I feel like they really knocked it out of the park with this one. I also really like the, the kind of poetry that comes with the opening track. Um, it almost seems like, uh, because, I mean, for all intents and purposes, for a lot of people, this is going to be the introduction to the band. It almost it, it almost makes it feel like that's the the introduction. It could have easily bookended with my radio AM and then FM, mm-hmm. but they chose very specific, very uh, deliberately to uh, start with Counting Stars on the Ceiling. Um, so it's like, here's here's the band, here's what we do, uh, we are stars. I would say it's a very good indie rock album, in a time when indie rock was kind of going in a really cool direction. Well, yeah, in 2001, kind of like a kind of a weird year to put out uh, an album like this, eh? Well, I mean, in, in it, it does seem like it's the beginning of a trend. Yeah. Uh, well, in retrospect, 
I mean, you wouldn't know that at the time. Yeah. Some people might see it as kind of lazy, but uh, honestly, like, I have no problems with there being two versions of my radio on here. I think that they are distinct from one another, and also far away enough from each other. Yeah, it feels it feels more like, uh, you know, bookends rather than uh, just kind of repeating oneself. There's a, there's, it seems very deliberate again. And uh, they, you know, just kind of help tie, give, give the album a sense of continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, it is interesting because I often, I, I kind of, like, you articulated it very well, but I also kind of feel similarly about, like, the fact that, like, how many really outstanding tracks are there on here? There's a handful, but the, it seems almost like the album is better than the sum of its parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I mean, you already stated what I was going to say about this charming man, about this it being a very good way to, to do a cover. A very distinct they definitely made the song their own, but also, uh, of course, it's it is a cover, and you can definitely hear that it, if you know the, the this charming man by the Smiths, you're gonna know um, you're gonna know this one. As far as excellent f- finales go, um, if I were to, if I were to say the finale would be Toxic Holiday, mm. and then My Radio FMX is sort of like a um, epilogue of sorts. <laughs> if I had to kind of play out how it plays, out. and uh, Toxic Holiday, I think is a, a great and almost like. The band transitioning, in a sense, to to the version of the band with Amy Millen in mm. it. So, like, her, having her kind of just come in at the end, almost as sort of like a, again, in retrospect, a foreshadowing of things to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's just a great track. I think she, I think her singing is great, and I think it's just a, it's really memorable and charming. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Broken Social Scene. They have released their first album, Feel Good Lost. Feel Good Lost. Feel yeah. Good Lost. I was about to say Feel Good Ink. I'm like, nope, that, <laughs> nope, that is not it. Yeah. <laughs> One of the tracks is called Cranley's Gonna Make It. It features, yeah. it features a trombone. Wah, that wah, trombone wah. is played by Evan Cranley. Evan Cranley would go on to make regular appearances with Broken Social Scene through their career due to um, him also being a multi- multi-instrumentalist. The stars clearly wanted uh, from the get-go to flesh out their songs. Whenever they would they would play songs live, there'd be more instrumentation than what they did on the album. Uh, like if you ever get a chance to hear "Going Going Gone" live, you'll know. Like although it's very clear that it's the same song, they've really fleshed it out, uh, which which is fine, which is fine. I don't prefer one over the other; they are different. So when they went uh, and started doing performances live, they enlisted Evan Cranley to help come help uh, and uh, and round out the sound. And Evan Cranley, along with Chris Seligman, um, are both uh, very creative and musically talented gentlemen. And it became obvious that uh, that Cranley should be just as involved in the band. And so they welcome him aboard. And um, I think I don't know who came up with the idea, but I that they needed to have a female vocalist on all the time, maybe due to logistics, because they, I mean, you know, there's only so many times you can have, and certainly broken social scenes run into this. We're touring. Can we get Feist? Can we get Amy? Can we get Emily? Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, um, or should we just like, let's just get one person to stick with us. I know that, uh, clearly they want a female voice in there because they brought in guest vocalists. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly they felt that that would make their sound, uh, more fleshed out. You know, ironically, interesting, uh, international rock star even has a movie clip, uh, of a woman's voice. It's just like, um, I mean like, yes, granted that was part of it to, to include the clip from the movie, but from, uh, uh, from, uh, an acoustic, you know, uh, stance, the woman's voice, it's, it helps flush out. So Cranley recommended Amy Millen. 
I don't know how the two of them knew each other, but um, a lo- the thing is, is that Canadian music in the early 2000s, a lot of these artists knew each other. Uh, mm. I, a bunch of them went to Etobicoke School. Uh, was Etobicoke School for the Performing Arts? That's kind of where uh, a lot of Broken Social Scene members came from, but not all of them. Um, and I think Metric as well? Yeah, and yeah, so, uh, so uh, a lot of the peeps behind Stars, uh, Feist, Broken Social Scene, Metric... Apostle Hustle, you know, all these guys, they all kind of knew each other. They're all part of the same community. None of them were really big um, at this point. None of them. Um, and so as such, they would regularly help each other out. It's just like, oh, oh, hey, Emily, we need somebody to we need somebody to sing this song. Can you come over? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I need someone to play trombone on this track. Can you come over? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not a surprise to me that, that Evan said, oh, hey, uh, let, let, let's get Amy Millen. Let's get Amy Millen. Amy Millen, though, she had a... She had a stipulation. She was not going to come on just to sing uh, lyrics that Torkel, uh, Tork and the others wrote. Uh, she's not just going to be generic singer to come in. She wants partial, you know, creative control. She wants to be able to to write lyrics. She wants to be able to write some instrumentation. Uh, she plays guitar. And she wants to have input in the melodies and the vocaling styles. And they said... Yeah, absolutely. And apparently it was an arrangement that worked very well because she stayed with the band. Uh, and kind of testing the waters is when they did the comeback EP when, um, yeah, when, when, when they're in. They're in. Now they're all together and they're releasing this material. Um, we're still kind of, we're still kind of figuring out, we're still kind of figuring out the instrumentation though. It still sounds very minimalist, very, very much like night songs, but, uh, but we're, we're moving. We're moving. It could also be in part because of, um, maybe the need for more production. Like they just, you know, but, uh, you can, you can kind of hear things like the, uh, Aspidistria files. Hold on. Aspidistra flies. The Aspidistra flies. Wait, is it, is it flies? Or is it files? Because I always, I always thought it was files. Like for the like the longest time, and now I'm like, see, now I'm like, wait a minute, is it? Have I been wrong for like, fifteen? I think it is flies. Okay. Oh my gosh. But you can start to hear a little bit more uh, <laughs> instrumentation, uh, a, a little bit, a little bit more uh, experimentation. Um, wait, you have you have the EP, right? Yeah, I do. Oh, let me just check. I I got I got it. No. Okay. I got to know for sure. Uh, EP's on the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well, there we go. Uh, I, you know, folks, it's never, it's never too late to just like double check that you are reading something correctly. You are not going to believe this, but uh, James Shaw and Murray Lightburn appear on this. Well, which one? Um, Murray Lightburn appears on the first track, "Crush." James Shaw of Metric appears on uh, the first two. I would not have. Uh, I would not have guessed. Yeah. Uh, you'd think if you got Murray Lightburn in there, you'd want to, like, really, uh, you know, I just I just don't hear it from in what cru- I know. Yeah, because Crush is a very, um, very, there's not, like, tons to it. Yeah, I, I've always, I, I've always felt that Crush was easy on the instrumentation because it was kind of, it was showcasing Amy Millen. She carries that song. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, it's a sweet sounding song, but her vocals are kind of aggressive. Well, I guess, you know, that goes to show you. Is that um, a good session musician knows their place. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. No. It just means that, you know, like, you contribute what you have to offer to to better the project, not your not yourself. 
The guitar comes in, I think, about halfway. Uh, I can kind of kind of hear it in my head. Uh, Murray Lightburn, sorry if we didn't mention, is uh, one of the founding members and one of the only consistent members of the Deers. Um, he would be, from start to finish, the only consistent member. Oh, uh, his, uh, um, Natalia? Um, she has, once she started, she hasn't left. Yeah. Um, but technically, in the early, early days, I think before they even had any albums, she was not a member oh, of the okay. band. So I actually looked this up very recently. Because um, they've gone through a lot of members. Yes, they have. Which we yeah. did discuss on our episode DS for Deers. Uh-huh. Which um, I guess is now very out of date. <laughs> but, you know, that's Well, good. I mean, we knew that too because Deers is rapidly evolving. Yes. So, so. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the downside of this uh, of this podcast is uh, we're, we're always going to be out of date. I don't know. I find it to be like a snapshot in time. You know? Oh, no, no. I, I, uh, that's true. You know what? That's true. Is that uh, it's not a downside. It is just a repercussion of... Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, kind of like Siskel and Ebert, you know, at the movies. You know, you watch and it was, it was their opinions at the time and stuff. And although, you know, it's just like with hindsight, you know, you're just like, what are you thinking? This this movie's a classic. Um, you know, they're giving honest opinions based on the context of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thumbs down. <laughs> thumbs down. Thumbs down. Thumbs <laughs> down. Oh, yeah. The, for reference to that, yeah. uh, oh. it's uh, the, one of the most polarizing ones. Ones I've ever seen because I watched. I every now and then I fall down the Siskel and Ebert rabbit hole on yeah. YouTube. Uh, and it was about Casino. Yeah, and Gene Siskel gave it a thumbs down, and uh, Ebert could not believe it. He just <laughs> couldn't believe it. Yeah, he was, it was, it was like thumbs down. <laughs> just, just couldn't believe it. Like he said, yeah, I mean it's not as good as like the Goodfellas, but but <laughs> like there's that's the that's pretty high bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, back to the album. Um, I uh, my favorite song off this is "Violent." Uh, the interplay between Amy Millen and Torque is so good. the The vocal production uh, for their two voices is so good, and um, uh, a real highlight of the album and a showcase of future songs between the two of them. The interplay between their vocals, um, and then rounding out on the comeback. Um, which I think is a, is a fantastic song. Is all in all just a fantastic it's and it's solid. It's uh, a stars classic. Yeah, it's a it's a triumphant song. It's just like yeah, you know, mm, it's a, it's a great way to end the album. And you're 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 finished the EP and you're just like, oh oh, are we done? Because you know it's just such a high note. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a it's a damn solid EP. Is that your? Am I? That's okay. it. Yeah. Go for it, man. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, nothing is dispensable. It's all good. Um, I, I'm surprised you you skipped over the two tracks. That I love the most. Uh, the as, oh, really? The Aspidestra? Aspidestra flies. Uh, flies, oh, not file. the umbrellas in the Oh, dam. it's so sweet. It's such a... Such, it's, it's just a very sweet and simple song. Like, just... And just, like... Just so... Splendidly romantic. Um, and just, and just, uh, just the, 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 the snippet of all the umbrellas of, in mm. London couldn't hide my love for you. Mm. It's, it's so picturesque. It's so, it's such, it's such a, not such a nice little vivid picture. I don't know. I, I love it. I think, I think it's just such a sweet song. Cote, I, I, I this is where my French is going to fail me. Yeah. Cote de Neige. Neige. Cote de Neige. Neige is like snow, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know what that's like. My grade do. four French coming um, out back on. Uh, it is a truly unique song in their catalog. A really cool acid jazz um, ditty. Um, I, I think it's it's great. I honestly like 
there's nothing else quite like it in their whole discography. Yeah. No disrespect to any of the other tracks on here. Oh, all, yeah. all in all, like every every track it wins in, in the comeback EP, mm-hmm. but those two are my particular favorites. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I think we both agree that the EP is, is, is fantastic and we just, you know, Focus on different ones. Yeah, no, no disrespect. No, I, I'm able to quote it. Yeah, yeah. It looks like that there was a Dead Child Stars EP, but it was it's a special concert thing that that was given out, and it was just basically a a sort of a prelude to Heart. So uh, at some point, Patrick McGee joins them. Like he's listed on being in the comeback EP, but I'm not exactly sure when 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 old Patty McGee joined them. By Heart, he was uh, basically a full member. But again, it's very strange because in a lot of the publicity material, you only really see the four. But yeah, Patrick, I don't know whether he just likes hiding in the background or what. He's just like, he's like, okay, I'll be in your band, but don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, and it was good. They needed a percussionist. They needed somebody to round out the, yeah. the percussion side, uh, honestly. Because, I mean, this, while I found that the synth beats in the background didn't detract from the songs, it was noticeable. And um, um, you know, Nothing beats a live drummer. Sure. Now, production for this and recording and production for this album was done in Chris Seligman's bedroom, basically. Uh, and for when they were recording, they uh, I think he called it the sausage or something. They had this setup which involved having like blankets and towels, you know, the sort of like, you know, the 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 DIY soundproofing that sometimes people need mm-hmm. to do and stuff, which, by the way, for the record, I think worked phenomenally. Uh, if you hadn't told me it was recorded in a bedroom, I would not have known. And especially, especially guys, this is like 2003. Well, I guess since it was released in 2003, um, 2002, and it sounds yeah. good. Yeah, because February 2003 as well, so it, it must have been recorded. Oh yeah, it says right there, recorded 2001 through 2002. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, nowadays everything is recorded in a bedroom. Well, basically, right? <laughs> so it's like this. They were that. This was back in the day where that was a. Uh, uh, a challenge to overcome. Yeah, and, and plenty of albums were, but they sounded like it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Heart, I will say. Doesn't sound like it, really. It sounds like it was in the studio. Um, there are three covers for, for this, uh, three, uh, covers for this, uh, for this album. There's. I only know of two. Yeah, the European cover features three women spying out of a porthole. This is when, okay, so the first, the, the one that I've seen with the gal sitting on the guy's lap, uh, but it's kind of blurred, uh, reminds me very much of the earlier cover arts of, um, but it seems the one with the, the eyes in the billboard, that kind of seems to be the one that we see the most often. That's when they're scooped up by, by Arts and Crafts. Yeah. It looks like it was released twice, one by the older label and then once, once, uh, once they hit Arts and Crafts. Yeah. Arts and Crafts being a fantastic artist centric label here in Canada. Well, it started by the Broken Social Scene crew. So yeah. it, it was made by artists probably to serve artists' interests more than corporate heads yeah absolutely and i came to this one after hearing set yourself on fire truthfully at first i wasn't too impressed but then the more you know i listened to I, you, you got to bear in mind okay this is beforehand this is you know look at the context of when they're recording it and there were more there was more and more stuff to love about this album i did find though that uh and it was something that i think uh we affectionately coined star syndrome where an album is top heavy uh, oh. It sounds really good in the first half, then kind of peters out a bit in the second half. Does that mean the songs suck in the second half? No. No, the songs are just fine. But if you want to list the real baners, they're probably in the first half. What the Snowmen Learned About Love uh, only has the four. Uh, Evan, Chris, Torque, and Amy introducing themselves. I am Evan, and this is my heart. I am Amy, and this is my heart. I am Chris, this is my heart. I am Torque, this is my heart. 
for whatever reason, uh, Patty McGee does not introduce himself at the beginning. He's like, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone I'm don't a part of this. Don't tell anybody. It's a nice electronic, well, it starts as an electronic track, and then it goes into this nice um, pop track, uh, but a very simple pop track. And I should mention, Chris Seligman um, expressed fairly early on that he was fascinated with pop hooks and trying to trying to like find perfect uh, pop hooks. And Amy Millen went on the record to say that sometimes he and Evan would spend hours and hours and hours playing the same hooks over and over again, just to like tweak them, and get them, get them just right. Which explains why a lot of star songs have phenomenal hooks. Elevator Lo- love letter is a fan favorite played at many of the concerts. I've always been kind of ho-hum on it. <laughs> I find the album really picks, I mean, really picks up a, a with the woods and death to death. I think those are great songs. Um, but you start hearing more instruments. You start hearing way more guitar. You start hearing things like flute. You can you can hear the the new percussion come in. Again, I mentioned Look Up has has lines about uh, about stars being in there. But then by the time we get to Life Effect, Don't Be Afraid to Sing, I'm kind of like ho-hum. And truthfully, uh, some versions of the album have a remix of the comeback as a bonus track. And I don't like that mix very much. I'm not a big fan of that mix, but that's just me. So I, I revisit Hearts on occasion. Rarely do I listen to the whole thing start to finish, but it is it is a lovely album. Um, it is definitely a hell of a progression from where they were before. I honestly, I do not revisit it that often. Hmm. I will say that I, I actually, I really, really like that opening track. Um, I just think it's got a... That 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 guitar hook is so good. Actually, it was I heard it in a when I was in school, film school. We had a Canadian film class, and there was a movie that we watched, and that song came up in the intro of the movie, not in its entirety, but definitely that guitar hook. And and I was and I was at the time I was like, where have I heard this? Where have I heard this? I know this. I know this. I know this really well. And then I, I did eventually figure it out. Um, would you like to know the premise of the movie? Please. Uh, this is not a joke. It's about a guy who uh, he's he doesn't he's just meeting somebody or there's two people who are coming to his small town. They have the he doesn't actually know who his father is because he was conceived during a three way. <laughs> And so his two potential dads have come into his town and he's just trying to build relationships with them. And the thing is like, it's, it's like the R rated Mamma Mia, except it's, it's played very straight. (laughs) It's played very, very straight. And it's kind of charming because of it. (laughs) So just, uh, anyway, I don't remember what the movie's called. I'd have to try and find it. But, um, but anyway, that I just wanted to share that with you. This is not the first time we're going to mention stars being samples in the movie. Um, but anyway, that's that that's that's what I usually think of is that 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 very strange Canadian film can be very strange. Um, but anyways, I really just uh, despite that, I I really like the song. I think that um, well, you know, you say that you know you're home on the track. I think Elevator Love Letter is pretty solid. I realize I'm in the minority. I mean, if you look at the Spotify plays, I mean, like. Elvira Love Letter is over 3 million plays. Right, well, and yeah, yeah the other ones are in the hundreds of thousands. Um, yeah. Well, what I will say, though, is, um, is you know, uh, what I like about it, especially, is that this is where it feels like Amy Millen is coming in saying, hey, I'm here to stay. Mm. And that that's sort of her, this is like her announcement of like, yep, you heard me before, but now I'm here and uh, you can't get rid of me. 
and uh, we don't we wouldn't want to. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, interesting that you say that it was is a little top heavy. I actually felt kind of the opposite, and that I actually felt it was a little bottom heavy as far as quality goes. Oh. The, van- the vanishing, I feel strong, but the twangy with uh, I like the twangy guitars and the flutes. Um, I, yeah, I also good. like the insanely quotable romantic comedy. I mean, don't walk away and turn and say I love you anyway. It's just I think it's just such a lovely lyric. Hmm. Don't walk away. It just gets in your head and oh, what can you? Well, he says it enough times, though, son. Well, I don't know. I just, I guess it's, it's that pop hook. That yeah, you're it about. is the hook. It's the hook. Uh, and actually, the whole final stretch is, I think, is great. Time can never kill. Look up and life effect. Uh, it is only it's dragged down a little bit by some of the uh, just um, or some of the earlier material, in my opinion, but only just barely. I actually think I also remember feeling very like this is very sophomore album originally, but I do feel like it has grown on me with time. Hmm. Um, so uh, I would give I would give Heart a recommendation. Uh, is it their best? No, but it is. Uh, it's nice. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Fun. You know, truthfully, I think I misspoke. I think I was thinking of Death to Death and The Vanishing, not The Woods and Death to Death. Okay. But uh, well, anyways. But anyways, fair, fair point. Okay. Um. Yeah. Actually, and this was a successful album for them. Not like, you know, top twenty radio play. No. But in terms of of sales and the and touring and stuff. It's uh, it did very very well for them, and and it kind of I think it gave them a lot of freedom as well with being on arts and crafts, uh, and also let's not forget uh, this would be roundabout when the recording for Broken Social Scenes self titled, uh, was around too. Well, another thing to think about as far as success goes, if they recorded this on super cheap in a bedroom, mm-hmm. that means that any return that they make is net positive. Yes, true. So if you, I mean if you're spending tons of money in a in the studio, that's all money you got to make back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it opened I imagine it opened a lot of doors for them and mm-hmm. and uh, anyways. Uh Broken Social Scene cool. self-titled album uh, came out 2004. 2005? 2005? Yeah, and they were in, they were heavily involved in that. Amy Millen, uh, she sings she gets her own she song. Does, she I has windsurfing nation? No. A swimmer? No. Super, no. Uh, what swimmers, I think, was it was, was uh, Emily Haynes. Yeah, Swimmers is Emily Haynes. You know, I, 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 yeah, I can't think of it. I know that she, she has a song of her own. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyways, uh, they went to work because, um, yeah, this was recorded all during all during that time as well, and which did very well. Um, but so between... Um, Heart doing, heart doing well. Uh, broken social scene taking off. Now we're going from okay, we're going to need Joe Jobs, or can we really make a push of music? And I think this is the signi- the signifying point where it's just like you guys can make a career out of this. Uh, it was only really the next year, uh, September fourteenth, two thousand four, that they released "Set Yourself on Fire," the the aforementioned "Set Yourself on Fire," mm-hmm. which was based off of a poem that was written by uh, a friend of. The bands, uh, EB. We've talked about this with the Broken Social Scene episode too, because they named a track after him. EB Caslick. Uh, he's a novelist and poet, uh, and uh, that was from one of his one of his works. Also, this alternate the, the European and vinyl cover. I feel very uncomfortable with, but I have a, I have the vinyl with that on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's so weird though. It just it kind of seems bizarre, doesn't it? It's like he's holding or it's this. He knows a she, maybe, um, sex unconfirmed person wearing a pink balaclava holding like a giant lighter. 
The topless yeah. one, John Lyra. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too keen on that. I like the one with the, the hand raised up and the fire tattoo and the poetry in the background and stuff. Uh, this was uh, a Juno-nominated. Hurrah. Um, <laughs> so set yourself on fire. First, I'm going to mention Your Ex-Lover is Dead, which uh, included more, way more instrumentation. Uh, we're getting a lot more of the brass stuff in. We're getting more of the reed instruments. And, uh, well, my wife's uncle, second cousin, whatever. Made a movie called The Cabin Movie. Feel good? Have a good time? What do you think? I think... I think you're very attractive. <laughs> I think you'd be cute too if you could just relax. I just find I'm tense. <laughs> There's something you want. There's no reason for you not to say it. Just be honest about it. Oh. Do you remember that? I do remember. I did see that one. Yeah. Yeah. And they... Uh, and actually, And it was referenced in film school as well. Uh, in that... Uh, well, he was just talking about how people went up to a cabin and just uh, shot a movie. And, and they, uh, then he talked about how... They, no, that's Evil Dead. Oh, right. Okay. And how, <laughs> you know, they went to... to uh, they saw, and they made. They actually made. He was, he was just saying, like you know, they, it wasn't like a huge hit, but because it cost so little, they they made money off of it because it was. I'm sure, that's not Evil Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Evil Dead made a lot more than that. <laughs> Evil Dead is one of those uh, huge success stories uh, of a of a breakthrough artist. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just remember them. Them. It was. I, I was like, I know that movie. Yeah, it's it. well, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's a movie about um, trying to spice up your relationship, sexual liberta- uh, liberation. <laughs> Um, I, this is actually something that was uh, in my Canadian film uh, class. Is, is that in Canadian film apparently there are there are usually themes of odd sexuality? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like I said, with the you know the guy conceived during a three way, mm-hmm. and 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 of course the cabin movie with uh, people trying to trying to figure out how. And you know it's kind of weird because like <laughs> the movie's uncomfortable, and I think I think um, I think it was designed to be because the whole time you're wondering when sex is going to happen <laughs> and you're just like, are these people going to take their clothes off or what? And, uh, and then one guy does and just let's, let's, but it was during kind of an argument. He just kind of like whipped his pants off while he's yelling at people. I have to admit, I, I mean, I don't usually get in heated arguments, but I, I've never been in an <laughs> argument where I just t- tore my clothes off. <laughs> but then again, I, maybe he assumed he was turning into the Hulk. <laughs> <I could've been. laughs> and he didn't want to, like, ruin his one of his only outfits that he brought up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and anyways, they, they got the rights for Your Ex-Lover is Dead. And that was kind of the, the theme music to the, mo- to the movie, right? right. They, would, they, would, they would go back to that. Because uh, it's that hook! Yeah, it's that it's that hook, Chris Ligman's hook. I mean, actually, I just found out because I was I was looking up the cabin movie and uh, Arabella, my, my wife's second cousin's wife, whatever. She's she's a lovely gal. She's uh, she's really funny. It has apparently been in Riverdale quite a bit. She plays some aunt. And oh. has been in like a half dozen episodes of Riverdale. Cool. Speaking of which, I've never heard anybody say that they love Riverdale. I've heard people hate that they watch it so much. Uh-huh. I've had a couple friends who are just like the show. Just keeps on infuriating me. To which I said, "Well, why do you keep watching it? I just gotta." <laughs> <laughs> I've also talked to some people like that about DC shows. Those DC, uh, what WB? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. CW, CW, C- C- yeah, CW. CW shows, yeah. Um, and I'm like, well, I mean, you don't have to keep watching. Apparently, Flash just goes 
Like, the show is just off the rails nuts. But people love it, apparently. I haven't watched any of them. Anyway, sorry. Where were we? Yes. Um, hey, just every time you watch Riverdale, you're supporting it. Just remember that. I just, just, I just, okay. Anyways, just well, Arabella got a gig. No, uh, and here's, well, here's the thing. I can't, I can't fault it too. But just like I can't, when uh, Twilight was being shot, I could always say at the end of the day, hey, it is employing local talent. Definitely, it shot. So it, you know what? If you want to see a clip of the theater we used to work at, the Ridge, they shot a scene mm-hmm. on the staircase beside the mirror in the at lobby. The, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it is, uh, it is money in people's pockets uh, for an industry. That can be uh, very challenging. So say what you will about Twilight, it's not Fifty Shades of Grey. Hey, good point. <laughs> <laughs> also shot around here, uh, so at least hey, at least they're <laughs> paying local talent, right? <laughs> um, anyways, apologies. <clears throat> Set yourself on fire. Uh, I'll quickly mention Ageless Beauty. There was uh, Amy Millen tells a story about how she spent three weeks trying to come up with the vocal melody for Ageless Beauty. And you will kind of notice as you're listening to it, the guitars uh, very much follow her lead and can kind of go either way. Are they going into a minor key or are they staying in the major key? This song is is focused around her voice. And uh, she took it seriously. She, she mentioned that she had driven from Toronto to Montreal and back again, and then back to Montreal and then back again. <laughs> uh, spent like trying to figure out this this uh this vocal melody uh, spending weeks on it and the song is a, another one of their staples and so i think that she was successful when you say angel's beauty my, the melody goes in my head so mm-hmm. the big fight um i think the story was was that they were inspired by don't you want me by human league thank you human league i even have one of their vinyls that you gave me and it's actually really good it's actually a really good nice little uh release yeah human league and which which totally makes sense to me the the human league song is about what was a relationship based around mentoring that became something more there seemed to have been some kind of miscommunication to the extent of the relationship as this this mentor was um taking her under his wing discovered her propping her up to become a star of some kind uh, in the music video, it's a movie actor. Um, and then now that she's she's really making it, she doesn't need him anymore and she's moving on. But he he has feelings towards her and he's feeling uh, very let down. Where she's, she's like, whoa, hold on a second. I didn't think that that was how this relationship was going. You know, um, have you ever thought of my feelings and the fact that, you know, this is something I've been dreaming of? Very interesting. Very interesting. The, the, the two opposite opinions. And then you have the big fight which isn't about quite as dramatic material, but it captures that emotion again. Um, but instead, this isn't a fight that they're having. This is a fight that they they want to have. Um, I don't think that they I don't think they say any of this stuff to each other. I think they want to, but I think the majority of the song is unspoken. Just just based on the uh, on the lyrical content, I think most of it's unspoken. And then uh, I would say two thirds of the song the way through. The fight is not resolved, and instead we get into an electronic instrumental track, uh, which I I dig. I think it's a fantastic highlight. And what's the tone of that of that instrumental? Is it is it hope? Is it frustration? Is it uh, innocence? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 really upbeat for a, uh, the whole song. Arc, I guess is upbeat for a song about a fight, the big one. Yeah, I don't know. Lovely song. You know, followed up by a real banner, what I'm trying to say. Uh, again, uh, kind of the opposite, but 
it's feelings left unspoken, but of, a, of affection towards each other. But then I feel that the album starts to kind of, um, kind of peter out a little bit. Um, especially once you get to, the, I'd say the final three tracks, maybe Celebration Guns. I appreciate the sentiment. I really do. And I appreciate it's another Amy Millen showcase song, but it just doesn't, doesn't, I'm shocked it's only three minutes because it just doesn't really do much for me. Soft Revolution and Calendar Girls, okay. But on the on the whole, I think this is possibly their best album. Um, but even even still, we have a couple songs that I'm just like, mm, ho-hum. Okay. Well, um, you know, I, uh, I remember having the opinion that this is a good album, but not a great album. Um, but I think it's aged extremely well. Like a fine, fine wine. Uh, <laughs> like as far as like it being an improvement over where they've been, it is significant. Uh, so in the context of where their discography is at, um, I think it is it is at this point an extreme high point. I think the the lyrics are the best they've ever been. Potent, very powerful, very poetic, but I have a, a very storytelling edge that I don't think I've heard to this degree. Um, I mean, they've, they've always had very good lyrics, but I feel, feel like this is where they've, there's something very vivid about the portraits, uh, the portraits that they, they, or, and the emotions they capture in, in a lot of these songs. Um, it's 13 tracks long, but I, I, nowadays I feel like there's never a dull moment. I, uh, I mean, Calendar Girls, you mentioned them. I realize that they are like slower tracks. It's not just that they're slow mm. though. It's, I, I don't know. It's not just that they're slow, they just kind of... I guess... I feel like uh, they kind of bring the energy down, I guess. I, I just feel like where they're at in the album, it's deserved. Uh, it, it's a good point to kind of chill out a little bit and uh, and just, uh, you know, and, and you know, I'm not going to fight for them saying, like, these are the best tracks ever. <laughs> but, like, I, I just feel like they've kind of, they kind of earned their place in the album. And uh, a lot of these tracks are so iconic now, mm. in my mind. Um, my favorites are, of course... Um, there's numerous, but if I had to pick some, the title track, super solid, super solid. Like the "Your Ex Lover Dead" is kind of a, a an intro that's very slow and emotional, and then um, I mean, what does he say at the very beginning? It's like "Let's go" or something, or like just. Mm-hmm. Then suddenly it's like, okay, get ready. Now we're really kicking it. Yeah, Poof, like and then, so it's kind of like "Your Ex Lover is Dead" is like the 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 prologue almost. Almost. Yeah. 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 Or the preamble. Um, and so that's where the, you're, set yourself a fire. I guess is not, really. not unlike Night Songs then for Counting Stars on the Ceiling. Yeah. 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 Kind of. Yeah. The Big Fight also, again, a big favorite of mine, like very, um, just makes me very emotional. I, I, I feel like I've, I've really connected with that one. What I'm trying to say is a, a straight up banger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, now here's the one that you overlooked that I think is completely, like totally brilliant. He lied about death. Oh yeah, um, yeah, like just jaw-droppingly good. And I, I did kind of have mixed feelings about it when I first heard it, but the more I hear it, the more I appreciate it and how it's structured and how different it is um, to a lot of their songs. It uh, it ends on a, a high frequency, uh, high frequency squeal. Uh, I mean, it can be a little yeah. hard. For, I guess there's certain people that like may react poorly due to. Like I know, some people don't react very well to high to high pitch noises. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't listen to it if you're one of those people. But if you are, <laughs> if you're fine, like like uh, like if your hearing's fine, then go for it. Um, but just the the fact that there's so many abrasive noises and they're somehow like 
thrown together and it's made it made to sound beautiful uh i think is so impressive and also i'm just gonna say like the build-up when it and when it kicks in when that saxophone kicks in that's awesome mm. like that saxophone i i who plays that because <laughs> i think it is so good like it that is like a real ass kicking song to like almost kind of out of character for the band usually like like there's very few like like really like <clears throat> like pump your fist in the air kind of tracks that they have they they have a pretty good energy that just doesn't really it doesn't really get to that level often which is fine but like that kind of makes it, uh, I don't know it just kind of makes it um, a little extra special in my opinion so he lied about death don't skip that one over mm. but honestly like this is I feel like this uh, this album has uh, it, with the way that it's aged over time um, just feels like good like really classic Canadian content like one of those essential Canadian albums that you need to grab so. mm-hmm. and there were there were lots coming out at the time like, oh, lots of- honestly and this was right this was right in the heart of when the that Toronto alt rock uh, explosion kind of happened mm-hmm. like right when when like metric broken social scene stars like when all those Dares, albums, yeah, yeah, yeah like when they were all like booming and that and Canadian music honestly has never been better and then in that, those those few years, and uh, and this is just one of those exemplary titles in that catalog of great track of great great albums. Yeah, so uh, they had such a tremendous output within within four years. I mean, like, and actually, it is actually kind of shocking to think that they went through all that in four years. Yeah, and then they took a bit of a break, uh, quite a bit of a break, and then in two thousand seven, they released. Uh, to the, we have spoken about this so many times. <laughs> yes. The Great Experiment. 2007. It's called Do You Trust Your Friends? Where they went to a lot of these uh, these Canadian acts. And they said, mm-hmm. remix our songs off of Set Yourself on Fire. Uh, and so uh, every single track is on there. And done by, they're either covered or sampled. Covered um, or, or, uh, or remixed. Uh, or remix yeah, or sampled. Remix sampled. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. The line gets gets a little uh, gets it's, a little. It's, little strange. It, it, the, the nice thing is, as as for it is an it is a remix album, but in in a very loose sense. Uh, it's definitely there's more creative liberties taken than a traditional remix album. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's really really difficult to. I mean, uh, this is uh, maybe controversial to say, but I think this is the best remix album I've ever heard. <laughs> Like honestly, honestly, I've heard some pretty good ones, but usually, usually there are duds. There are dud tracks. I mean, I like the G sides for Gorillas. There's dud tracks there. There's some that are just way too damn long. But I mean, like every every punch matters in this, and they every band comes in and they've got their own distinct voice, um, and they're all doing something something new, and uh, and it really shows how much work I would went into this. I would even say Celebration Guns. This is a better version than. The yeah, I would absolutely agree that the, yeah, some of the versions I will say are arguably better. One more night. I like the Apostle of Hustle version. I really, I think that's the better version. But then I again, know. I think. But the, but I can just say the yeah. the the killer the killer app <laughs> on this on this remix uh, album is uh, what I'm trying to say. Part one and part two by the Deers. Yeah, the Deers split it up. They split the song into they. Uh, they must have had two ideas, and they went with both. Um, so good. Yeah, they they split up. Uh, Torx parts and and Amy's part kind of right. The first part is Torque rambling on about about all 
all his feelings and all his emotions. And then the second part with Amy just kind of uh, harmonizing the very simple I love you. I mean, what a fantastic idea. But I mean, like, let's not forget the opening, Your Ex-Lover is Dead by Final Fantasy, a.k.a. Um, Owen Pallet. Owen Pallet. I think he just goes by Owen Pallet these days. Yes, he does. Yeah, he retired the Final Fantasy name. Uh, that was to uh, to so you could find him in Google without, yeah, without was, coming across without having to sift through video game, video game, video game. Set yourself on fire opens with when there's nothing left to burn, you have to set yourself on fire. Do you trust your friends? Opens with when there's nothing left to burn, you have to set yourself on fire. When there's nothing left to burn, you have to set women of various ages very very clearly very old to toddler saying it instead and then you have this tremendously sad 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 piano ballad oh yeah like just like just amazing like the emotion conveyed in the, I, I Owen Pallet is a freaking genius I've said it once I've said it before <clears throat> Owen Pallet's a genius he just he kills that track um but uh, I, I I'm gonna chime in and say he lied about death the metric remix mm-hmm. also really solid yes uh, very different almost like if you if you don't know if it's a remix you might miss you, you might just think it's a unique track it's very it's so different reunion is uh is a cover um and there's a couple there's a couple covers in there oh yeah good lord uh sorry i mean like it is hard to express how good this project is um a soft revolution being done by the, the stills calendar girl young galaxy uh who we've done an episode on uh just doing an amazing rendition of calendar girl you know, maybe that's maybe that's part of my problem, man. Maybe it's just because I'm I'm so so much fonder of of you know those tracks. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, you know, I think part of part of what makes some of these ones work so good is how well we know the originals as well, and sort of like it, it kind of as a as a comparison contrast kind of thing. There's there's sort of like I think there's a, something in us like when we hear something very familiar, it kind of swells us up with excitement. So I mean, I feel like you know you shouldn't listen one to one without the other. I mm. think they're, they're just great companion pieces. Um, and I uh, yeah, I, I also cite this as one of the best, if not the best, remix album I've ever heard. Um, I, I I often just skip over remix albums because typically I just don't. I they just usually make me want to listen to the original album and and skip the the remixes. The one of the most uh, yeah, I guess we'll get to that eventually, so I'll skip that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah, be sure to check that one out. It, it is not disposable stars content. No, I, I, no, it's um, fantastic. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that same year, so that was May of 2007, July of 2007. Uh, and by this point, we're stars fans. We're stars fans. And you yeah. know, now as the releases are coming out, we're picking them up. And In Our Bedroom After the War, like I said, comes out in July. Happy birthday, me. And they decide to start expanding on their sound a little bit. Maybe some throwing some new wave. Get get a bit more of that alternative rock feeling in there as well. Around this... Uh, the version I got, and I would assume you've got it as well, includes a DVD called uh, Are We Here Now? Which I watched last night. Oh. I It actually... I had been researching stars for the last few weeks. Um, and then... I can't remember. Something clued me and I was like, oh wait. I remember that there was a, there was a little documentary in because i had watched i had watched it 
before I had heard Heart, and and they give a lot of reverence to Heart in the documentary. So at the time, I didn't quite I didn't quite get it. So I watched it again after fourteen and a half years, and um, <laughs> it's not a great doc. The vast majority of it is concert footage, which is fine. You can like I'll tell you right now. I think Amy Millen has perfect pitch. Uh, you can see Torque uh, sometimes going a little off key while he's live, which is fine. That's normal. You can hear him starts to start to waver as the concert goes on. You know, get a little more breathless, get a little more, you know, um, just a little more fatigued. But Amy is hitting every note every time, and it's actually it's actually intimidating. It's it's just like good lord, you're you're still going. Like she's the only one up there who doesn't you know who doesn't look like she's uh, like the concert's wearing her down or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, th- I also saw the live version of Going Going Gone on there which they brought in violin and stuff like that. And I was just like, yeah, I can see this fleshing out this sound. Uh, and it's also, uh, I have mentioned a couple times when they're, um, you know, what some of the band has, has said, and it's off of a lot of it's off of this, this documentary. I just wish there was kind of more from, cause I liked hearing them. Um, Torque in particular, actually Torque and Evan Cranley both don't really say that much. Chris Legman is, is quite the character. He he is very much uh, I think in a different era would have been the uh, the crazy maestro and it's it's kind of good to see that sort of dynamic so it doesn't cover anything off night songs except for that one live live version they don't talk about it at all huh. awkward and they don't mention anything from inner bedroom after the war but um, you get to see hard hard stuff you get to see set yourself on fire and that's that's pretty good it's informative to kind of see. Um, them starting to finally like really break break through and talking about well only a couple years ago things were like this but now they're like this uh so that it's, it's about an hour long um and it is okay i think i have it but i, I have this problem when i get i when i, when I well I, I don't buy cds so much anymore when i bought a cd paired with a dv i'd be like awesome can't wait to watch that then i never do <laughs> uh <laughs> i listen to the album many many times but uh, I just, I just, uh, I don't know what it is about uh, music docs. I just can never find. I'm always interested in the idea of it, mm. yet never find the time to actually sit down and watch it. Uh, I mean, sometimes there's just ones that aren't very good. So. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> you know. And then, uh, do you know if it's going to pick up? I don't know. Um, the beginning after the end, I found very much like uh, what the Snowman learned about love. That sort of that uh, that interesting way to kind of like kick into the album. But then the album actually really starts. With the night starts here uh, again, I guess as you noted as well. Um, mm-hmm. I guess they kind of do that a lot. It's sort of like a prologue track, and then oh, here we go. Uh, Take me to the ride. I remember being the big hit off the album, but I always loved that new wave song, "Ghost to Genova Heights." Uh, do you remember uh, in the concert and Torque he put on the costume with all the lights and stuff mm-hmm. to sing that song? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, "Life to the Unhappy Ending," a favorite of mine. Kind of tragic um, about well, it's about uh, you know. You didn't actually really think you're, you you had expectations for how life was gonna go, but it didn't it didn't actually, and you know you're just you're just left with regrets and and you know and um, you're not exactly sure what you should be expecting now going forward. Um, I will say, in our bedroom after the war, to this po- up to this point is my favorite closing track by them. Um, I thought yes, this is a really really good sink your teeth into fantastic closing track and just the kind of just kind of uh epic summation uh feelings 
nail those notes at the end. I remember listening to this album a lot. And uh, although I don't think the high points are as high, I feel it is a little more consistent than Set Yourself on Fire. But I don't think the high points are as high. Okay. Mm. Well then, for me, because I, I do kind of believe that uh, Set Yourself on Fire is, is their masterpiece. Mm. Um, and I think That's that, an early masterpiece, <laughs> though, eh? <laughs> well, I mean, hey, well, some people's masterpiece is their debut. Uh, so, um, you know, they, they at least have, like, <laughs> you know, there's at least a few tr- a few uh, albums in there to choose from. And I always feel like it's uh, it's almost a, it's such a burden to try to follow up your masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, oh, damn, what do we do now? And I think that they, they kind of felt that because I do feel like some... some Pardon the pun. They were kind of reaching for the stars at some points in here, and uh, I do. I also feel like the the synth track intro. Uh, I these uh, little synth intros were all the rage mm. around this time. Uh, like with uh, both doves and deers. I had uh, one of them was even called synthro. I think it was the deers. Yeah, synthro was uh, um, on Gang of Losers. That's right. Yeah, so it was a kind of all the rage. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm not against that. I love it. <laughs> so it works for me. I would say that the first couple tracks, The Night Starts Here and Take Me to the Riot, uh, are good, but very safe. They're very stars e mm-hmm. songs. Like, you know, it's like when you think of what kind of music does stars make, those two songs. Good. But, you know, again, solid tracks. Uh, but but the first, my first favorite on the album is my favorite book, um, which because I, I think it's super romantic and very, com- there's a lot of compelling, like, during the chorus, and it's just the way that it's mixed with the bass and, oh, it's just like, it's... It's just really well crafted. I just, I, it really, I'm so compelled by it. It's, it's almost a perfect song, except there's one flaw in it, and it's at the bridge. The bridge never really worked for me. Um, <laughs> it was just, it just felt, uh, I don't know, awkward. And, uh, but, and, but apart from that, like, it's, it's, it's a great track for the most part. Then, uh, the, the, then comes the turning point, and I feel like this, the, this song, The Ghost of Genova Heights, I'm sorry, she's Genova. The Ghost mm-hmm. of Genova Heights is really a turning point for the band, again, in retrospect. Um, it's a synth-pop track capturing a very 80s aesthetic. Mm. And we're going to notice down the road that that's going to start to become kind of a blueprint. Um, Not unlike um, Arcade Fire. Also, like... Actually, like a lot of bands, like a, like <laughs> like this. This is a, there were a lot of bands that kind of jumped on this trend, and um, Stars were uh, maybe not the first, but definitely one of the earlier ones to do so. I feel, but uh, yeah, Ghost to Genova Heights. I love it. Uh, one of my favorite tracks. Cool falsetto. Um, the album does start to lose me a little bit uh, down the road, although uh, uh, Bitches in Tokyo. Uh, kind of brings the energy back up, and I really like that one. Um, and there's a few other, you know, the other tracks. I, you know, I like them just fine. But, uh, but yeah, in our bedroom after the war is, I think, also an amazing closing track. Like, just re- they really can you tell they really put everything into that one. This is this goes back to what I'm saying about stars. They have they have this this fascination with the ins and outs of conflict in relationships. And what better way to really capitalize that on that, that this title track in our bedroom after the war, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, that conveys and along with this cover that conveys so much. It's just like, 
Well, I mean, I don't think it's not literally a war. It's it's about conflict. It's about interpersonal conflict oh, and having yeah, to yeah. then go go to bed with this person. You know, <laughs> I guess so. You know, although uh, even if it is literal <laughs> and it is literally about a war, there is something kind of cool about that sentiment as well. About <laughs> I know it's probably not. You're probably completely right, but I almost like the idea of like, you know, like after a huge war out there and just like, you know, you, you just. What do you do after that? You're just like, oh, I guess, guess I'll go to bed. <laughs> well, you, you, <laughs> you know, know, you might not be wrong because, I mean, like, look at the wording. It's not in our bedroom after the battle or the skirmish or whatever. They they picked after the war because of the connotations. So I don't th- I don't think you're necessarily wrong. No, I mean, it, the thing is, yeah. is, uh, is, you know, you can read things more than one way. I, I mean, yeah. again, it's... There's there's a reason that uh, you know metaphors are picked for a reason, right? Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm try. I almost forgot. Um, there was actually one song in here that that bothered me, and I'm 97 percent sure it's window. Bit. Oh yeah, the Is I it, know what you're thinking of. I like the idea of it. It's two songs kind of put together, the verses and the chorus. In the verses, Amy's voice sounds like she's having a hard time kind of hitting the notes, which is strange given that I said that it sounds like she has perfect. That I think she has perfect pitch, but. Uh, it's the tempo, the tempo, and it is so rare when you run into this, but it does happen. The tempo between the choruses and the verses don't really seem to match up. So every time it transitions between them, it sounds really awkward. I would agree. Yeah, I think it was a good idea. That just didn't really come to fruition the way that they hoped. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard it done better. Um, by, 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 there's a song by Franz Ferdinand, I think in the second album, where they do something similar. But the transitions are way better. Oh, uh, I think it's I'm Your Villain, isn't it? Uh, could be. I, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's I'm Your Villain. And, and I think I just think that they, they hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, sadly, this song does not. Although I will say there is a future star song that we'll, probably, that we'll get to that does that well. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, we all learn. Hey, Daft Punk had to get uh, a musical genius, um... Jojo Motor. No, no, no. Oh, uh, Chili Gonzalez. Chili Gonzalez. They had to get him for for a complicated, uh, complicated uh, transition for uh, Random Access Memories. Uh, speaking of speaking of, uh, yeah, Chili Gonzalez is right in that uh, right in that musical family. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's uh, arts and crafts alumni. It's the last thing he did. He just he just released a Christmas album. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. Every now and then I forget about Chili Gonzalez <laughs> for like a few years, uh-huh. and then I remember him, and then I want to listen to everything he does. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, fair enough. Because because the guy is just brilliant, but um, but also sometimes his sometimes his albums are hard sells uh, until you're actually listening to it. Um, um, sad robots. Yeah, the next uh, the next year, September two thousand eight. You have sad robots, don't you? Yes. Actually, I'll tell you that this is this is one of those one of those turning point albums or EPs. I'll say, yeah, uh, much like um, with Washed Out's Life of Leisure, mm. this is when I discovered uh, the the musical landscape was indeed changing quite a bit. Um, in that, I could not for the life of me find a physical release of this album. I think they were only being sold on tour, mm. and or or I had to pay some uh, ridiculous shipping fee to get them to me. Um, I can't remember exactly because it's been a while. And then at that point, I was just like, I guess I'll just buy it digitally. <laughs> and and, the, and, the, and I'm like, wow. There was that, at that point in time, I didn't really consider that before. 
and then I just did. I just bought it digitally, and I have it. And um, yeah, I just, so anyways, um, that's just that's one of the things that I associate with this EP is that that moment when I just realized that that things were changing. Mm. Um, but what do you think of Sad Robots? Oh, did you don't know it? I I did not. I forgot to listen to it this time around. Oh shoot. Steve, it's so good. <laughs> oh, Sad Robots is great. Are you kidding me? No, no, uh, no, uh, no bad tracks. This is what I feel like is sort of the goodbye to the two thousands stars. Hmm. This is sort of that wrapping that little uh, that that style up because because you know we'll talk about it in a second. But come twenty ten, uh, there will be a stylistic change, and the Sad Robots uh, is still kind of in the vein of the two thousands. Uh, again, in retrospect, <laughs> a lot of these are good. Uh, great farewell, amazing EP, a thread cut with a carving knife, terrific track, terrific. Um, the uh, undertow is a flat out stars classic, um, carried very well by, um, you know, Amy Millen. Her her vocal melody is very good, but there's this one thing in there where. Like, Da 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 da. Well, again, you got you talk about you can't talk about the hook. Yep, that, yep. Little, that hook is so good. Uh, going, going, gone. Live version um, is is very, very different than the version that you heard on um, Night Songs back in the day. And it re- Amy really has made it her own. Um, it's just, it is, it's just become something very different. And so I think its inclusion on here is warranted for sure. Um, sometimes I, I feel like putting on a live version of a song is like a cop out, but mm. I don't think so in this case. Uh, Fourteen Forever is one of my favorites. One of my favorite Stars tracks. I really love it. The first track and the last track are not amazing, but they're super great as a first track and a last track, respectively. <laughs> so, so, like, they, they, um, I mean, they're short as well, so there's part of it. Like, the Maintenance Hall 4 a.m., it's just a synth intro. Um, Sad Robot is a, um, it's just a little acoustic ditty at the end. Uh, so they, they serve their function on here very well, but all the meat in between is where it's at. So, um, check it out. Check out. Don't, don't miss out on the Sad Robots EP. Okay. Yeah. Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Idiot. (laughs) Right? I I think the reason why I missed it was because, um, I dove into Five Ghosts and, um, the Seance EP pretty quick. I feel like those two are best listened to together. Like, I have a difficult time listening to one and not the other. Truthfully, in part because the title track for Five Ghosts is not on the album. It's on the EP. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, I will say the Five Ghosts, the song, is one of my favorite Stars tracks. I think it's it's got a fantastic energy and uh, strangely morbid lyrical contents. The cover art is um, is depicting, you know, there's a girl, but you can kind of see ghostly figures. It's just due to double exposure. Um, but that used to, that used to be kind of a, kind of a thing in the early days of photography, uh, when a lot of the processes weren't understood and the layman would sometimes wonder, oh, hey, what, you know, what's going on in this photo? (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was a thing. Um, and actually to this day, we're still fooled by photography tricks, so whatever. (laughs) Um, but, uh, well, now, nowadays, a lot of people are very skeptical because of things like Photoshop, where it's really simple to, yeah. To make these things happen. Well, they should be more skeptical of deepfakes, because uh, deepfakes, Photoshop 2.0. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Now, for the album on the whole, I find it to be a pretty good album. I will say the tentpole, to be honest, I find, might even be I Died So I Could Haunt You. I feel like that's where the album really kicks off. 
But I'm not even sure if it quote goes uh, quite as high as that uh, as that song, uh, or quite as high as that as that song did. Um, now that being said, there's there's some great material in here. Uh, he dreams he's awake is is a great song. Um, the, the, and I think I'm honestly it's it's more of like I got to give him props for this this album because they're trying they are trying new things and I I really like that. Even down to the parts uh, where they're kind of changing the focus of their albums. It's not quite as much about relationships. It still is. There's still there's still a lot of relationship heavy stuff in here. But it's it's more than just we had conflict. How are we feeling about this? It's it's more than just that. They're they're playing a lot more with metaphors. They're playing a lot more with uh, with with different sounds to go with those metaphors now too. And um, and then with the Seance EP on top of it, which I think is a great EP. Uh, three of them are are uh they pair up with a montreal montag and album leaf uh which are very respectable bands uh, and um you know it's strange I, I sometimes i almost wish that the title track was on the album but i kind of like it sandwiched in the seance cp kind of like you it's, it's like you have to you have to kind of conjure the ep to fill out like you're holding a seance to conjure the ep to fill out the album Sort of, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, a little strange. Um, but yeah, yeah. All in all, pretty good album. Pretty good album. Yeah, I, I think this one uh, here we see, we see new direction for stars. They are leaning into that synth pop AZ's aesthetic that the Ghost of Genova Heights kind of established. But uh, and overall, it does it fairly well. I do miss the really rich, baroque, multi instrumental uh, sound. Uh, I do kind of miss that. Um, but maybe they just needed to do this uh, to to lean into the sound uh, to survive. I don't know uh, how the uh, how expensive uh, and time consuming it was to put together some of those comp- more complex arrangements in the uh, in set yourself on fire, um, or uh, or maybe they just really like the sound of it. I don't know. I like fixed. I really like fixed. And I died so I could haunt you. Uh, most memorable song to me by for, for me by a lot is "We Don't Want Your Body." Oh, I forgot to mention that. Um, uh, yeah, no, the, uh, yeah, like yeah, very, very memorable. Um, but the the lyrical choices at times do leave me scratching my head a little bit. There's just something about the way when she says, "So you can have some sex with me," then mm-hmm. just going like. I feel like that should have been worded differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I just feel like. Just it didn't it doesn't land quite right. Although maybe it does help it make it more memorable in that it just it's very kind of in your face. It, uh, it songs kind of seems to be about like an uh, attempted date rape. <laughs> is that what it, oh, it kind of? Okay. I guess she talks look. about like like dude is like trying to like slip her some uh, well slip her ecstasy uh, and stuff, but she's just not interested. Oh. She's not into it. Oh, uh, I didn't think of it as. Uh, I didn't think of it as ecstasy. I thought I thought ecstasy is in like the broader concept. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I, maybe my mind is just too innocent. Actually, or, or maybe I'm too dirty. I mean, uh, good lord, maybe uh, maybe you're right. Um, um, either so, way, she's not into it, but he he really wants. Yeah, it. well, that much is made very clear is that she does not want his he doesn't body. Want, and and um, then the music video. Have you seen the music video? I have not. It's uh, it's um, it has it's in a gym, and it's a bunch of bodybuilders, and the bodybuilders are singing the parts. And which, I mean, I, I get it. Like, haha, we don't want your 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 body. But it, it's just like, okay, so 
what are you saying? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I they're, 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 they're just pumping metal, basically, and seeming that they don't want to have sex with each other. They come in day and night. <laughs> <laughs> I only drink beer. Milk is for babies. Um, after that, I do feel like the album loses a bit of steam. Uh, the, pa- the Passenger and How Much More are good, but and as far as um, just the track listing in this album, there aren't many, like, stars classics. Mm. Like, it's, it's good... But, like, well, there's not a lot of, like, ones that I'm like, yes, I definitely know that one. Except, of course, We Don't Watch Your Body, <laughs> which mm. I will never forget. Um, which is kind of a shame, but at the same time, like, uh, you know, they're trying something new, and I appreciate that. And there's still no, like, horrible tracks. Um, and I, The Five Ghosts, uh, the title track, uh, just uh, the fact that it didn't make the cut of the album is, is a kind of bewildering to me. Because I also <laughs> agree it's one of the strongest tracks in here. Uh, it being not on the album is just a weird choice, but, um, but I'm glad it's out there on the Seance EP. I just hope that people don't overlook it mm. because it is there. Who else? Was that, uh, Mars Volta with Francis the Mute? Who did yes. that? Yes. Francis, the, the, that's right. The title track, Francis the Mute, is on, uh, a single or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it didn't make the album. And there was a, there was another band who did something to, oh, uh, Queen. Uh, Sheer Heart Attack was on a different album. Yeah. Than Sheer Heart Attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> I love that song, though. Sheer Heart Attack. Oh, yeah. Sheer Heart Attack. Heart Attack. Like, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. You're having a heart attack. That's great. So, okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, we jump forward two years, 2012, to the north. The cover art is... Uh, they're uh, a project, a housing development project in Montreal. Um, well known for being very unique and ter- uh, mm. uh, geometrically. Um, oh yes, the Habitat sixty seven complex. Uh, I hear that uh, lots of planets have a north. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So the north. Um, you gave this one to my wife for birthday or Christmas or something like that. At some point. No, here's the thing. I've listened to this album quite a bit. Because sometimes I forget I have it. The Theory of Relativity is a great way to open the album. Oh, yeah. Like, just great. But truthfully, I have a hard time with remembering this album. I find that uh, that a lot of it... I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It is it is a new wave synth-pop album through and through. It's catchy. It's it's great to sit down and listen to. But those memorable memorable songs and stuff like that seem to be kind of like slipping slipping through my fingers now that, now that, again, uh, I'm thrilled that you know it's uh, it's really picking up for them. They're they're gaining a lot more notoriety. They're getting great reviews. They're making their sales. But at this point, I actually started to miss some of the old old stars. I, I started to miss it, and um, I rarely revisit this album. Strangely enough, just because it just it's I just don't on the whole on the whole find it that memorable. Okay. Well, um, I like it better than Five Ghosts. Um, the theory, well, we already talked about theory of relativity. Uh, I, it, that is a killer intro track. So yeah. again, they, uh, they got these intro tracks down. Maybe that's what Five Ghosts was really missing. They didn't have that killer intro track. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I do feel it's a stronger use of the genre, better produced and very vibrant. Um, the, so the, they, they are capitalizing on that synth pop sound, but it is better, more refined here. I find the first four tracks really great, but uh, the classic of the of them, well, the three relativities one, and then the fourth track, "Hold On When You Get Love" and "Let Go When You Give It." Uh, I'd suggest you listen to that one again. 
I think give it a go another go because I think it is so good. But I will say after that, nothing is quite as solid as those first four tracks. So progress um, comes uh, decently close, and walls is a good decent closer. But um, it yeah it it doesn't the the album isn't quite as good as what it promises to be. So um, I'd say, you know, give the first four tracks a listen. There's a few le- tracks later on. But unfortunately, it does... Uh, if, we did, if we did indeed deem it Star's Syndrome, it, it does suffer from that, uh, where the latter half is just really not as good as the first half. Um, but, but there are a few really good tracks on there. So mm-hmm. yeah, hold on to when you get love and let go when you give it. I, I, that I think that's as good as anything else that they've uh, put out. So, um, check it out. You know, it's worth mentioning that they now haven't been on Arts and Crafts for a while. They're on, oh, for yeah. this album, yeah. they're on ATL Records, which apparently was uh, founded by Dave Matthews. Oh. Uh, and his manager. But I wonder why they left Arts and Crafts. I don't, I don't know. I find a lot of bands do move on to something. Maybe they just get a better deal. Hmm. Like Arts and Crafts is a really, really good launching point, hmm. but not necessarily the best for, like wide distribution maybe actually you know that that wouldn't surprise me maybe there's only so much money that they can you know yeah i mean but i can only speculate um because yeah a sad robots no no sorry not sad uh the first the five ghosts also wasn't on archcraft yeah and it was on something it was on something different as well it was uh soft revolution and vagrant for worldwide um yeah yeah soft revolution i wonder if that's uh, like uh their own label you know what i mean couldn't even tell you. Couldn't even. Um, well, that's the name of one of their songs, right? Hmm, true. Maybe there was a Soft Revolution record label who was like, hey, you guys got a song. You guys, so you, you guys, guys got a song. Anyways. Come 2014, looks like they stayed with, uh, oh, they went back to Soft Revolution as well as staying on ATO. They uh, they released uh, No One Is Lost with a, uh, a roller disco uh, on the front cover. Neon really roller disco. leaning into that aesthetic. Yeah. Um, Electronics. You know, it's so fun. weird that this is 2014 because this kind of feels like very new stars to me mm-hmm. and i'm like mm, that's a lot of years ago oh man yeah <laughs> it's, it's really it's really depressing uh, it's really strange this whole time going on thing not a fan yeah mm. yeah so i feel it was it's it is very similar to the north uh oh but look at that murray lightburn comes back to do oh, a bit he? of guitar oh. and james shaw on a stranger hmm. interesting they've got they've added more people um Okay, so I felt that the the opening track w- was pretty good. It, it's kind of hard at this point to to compete with uh, with other stars' opening tracks, but you know, I, I felt that this is this is something that the stars is pretty good with. Um, all in all, I feel like this is a uh, kind of one of those uh, nightlife albums. Yeah, I feel like we have moved away from the romantic, interpersonal conflict, relationship stuff. Um, for the first, for like really the first time, uh, and gone into a nightlife, something uh, akin to Nelly Furtado's Loose or Moby's Last Night, something in that sort of vein here. In, in terms of structure, it's very, it's structured pretty okay. It's in that, like, I, I can't, hmm, I do still feel that it kind of suffers a bit from the, the star syndrome that the first half is, is better than the second half, but I, on the whole, I feel like it isn't like, like excessively so. Tracks I really I really dug. Uh, you keep coming up was was pretty good. I was down with that. Uh, what is to be done? Uh, about halfway through, and then and then a stranger is probably actually yeah the one that Murray Lightburn is on uh, is probably the most musically interesting. Um, but on the whole, um, 
and I actually I've kind of noticed this about the Pitchfork Media. Pitchfork Media is never it never really seems to be satisfied with the Stars album, <laughs> but uh, they gave this one a middle of the road score, and I would actually kind of agree with that. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I I really like the opener. In fact, I was dreaming about it last night. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. No, from the night uh, is just uh, yeah, it's it's a real earworm. Got those hooks, you know. It's the, yeah. It's the hooks. This is the last time is also pretty great. Keeping the energy up. Uh, it doesn't have, but uh, it doesn't, the album doesn't have too many outstanding tracks. Plenty of pretty good ones. <laughs> and even some, and even some boring tracks. Mm. Um, I actually kind of found The Stranger uh, kind of boring, <laughs> which, which mm. it just doesn't really go anywhere interesting to me. Um, but, uh, Look Away feels pretty solid and, uh, it ends on an extremely good note. Uh, with that title track, actually. So, so sometimes they they really nail those outros, and I think this is one of those cases where, uh, yeah, no one's lost. The title track is really solid. So, and also as far as like cohesiveness of the album, one thing I did notice is that there's several times in the album, both in the first track, and I can't remember which one it is, somewhere in the middle as well, where they uh they drop in the line, "No one is lost." Mm-hmm. So there was definitely a lot of consideration lyrically. In the direction of the album, um, what's who else was like the uh, day and age with the killer by the killers? Yes, they dropped a, the day and age line a lot in the album. Oh, apparently the newest killers album is actually really good. I was reading some really good reviews about it. I, I got to catch up on them. I, yeah, I'm a little behind. I don't. Unfortunately, I just don't feel the album comes together fully. Mm. Um, so there's some there's some great tracks, some great ideas, um, but it's just it doesn't quite doesn't quite hit it. As uh, as as uh, as the North did for mm-hmm. me, twenty seventeen. There is no love in fluorescent lights. Uh, label is now last gang. I gotta say, um, I love this cover art. The cover art is fantastic. You've got basically like a, a slum, and then you've got like this metropolitan, futuristic metropolitan thing looking over there. Yeah, no, no, absolutely fantastic. Uh, okay, there is no love in fluorescent light. Um, I listened to it a few days ago, and then I listened to it again right before, just to see if if the songs had a little more impact on me, how I was feeling about them. Mm-hmm. I'm not very impressed by this album. I find the songs, on the whole, really safe, kind of bland, and not a lot. Um, for After three years... And the idea that this could be there, I mean, it's been like four and a half years since this album. I hope this isn't their last album. Two exceptions, Hope Avenue, Amy, just killer on that track. That's a, that's a great track. And then The Maze, uh, a very dark, brooding track. Both of those songs, besides being fantastic songs, play off of, a, like, I can imagine them matching up with this cover art you know the maze uh feels like night uh it feels like like there's there's a darkness and uh maybe you're maybe you're lost um and hope hope avenue um just has a real tangibility to it Uh, those like those two tracks are fantastic but i on the whole on the whole i just wasn't able to get into this album just wasn't able to get wasn't wasn't really impressed by it um apparently I'm going against what the critics think but um there just there wasn't anything the thing with stars is that uh f- with me latching onto stars it's usually because 
They're really trying something cool and new. Maybe it's working, maybe it's not, but they're, they're really trying it. Uh, lyrical content, great instrumentation. I need I need one of those from these guys. I need I need a little bit more, especially after so many albums. Again, I just um, listen like I listened to it and I was just like, I need to sit with it a little more. I need to sit with it a little more. Yeah. Um, and then I came back to it, it t- just today. I was like, okay, now how am I feeling about it? Still not still not fully on board with this album. Uh, I feel similarly, but a little different in that I do feel it's probably the weakest one. I I really like that it seemed there was ambition there that just I just it didn't it just didn't pan out like that I could kind of get that there's an aesthetic uh, they're trying to go for something more contemplative it's not as flashy as the last couple albums but uh, it it one thing it uh, one thing it suffers from no punchy opener <laughs> yeah. you need that punchy opener yeah especially when you when you you got a good streak I'd say there's lots of decent songs but I wasn't really fully engaged until. Real thing, um, which actually is has an incredibly engaging course that, that, that somehow, even though it's like I haven't really listened to before, makes me kind of nostalgic. Like there's something in it that there's something in there that just makes me, it just triggers something in me that that makes me nostalgic. Uh, that's that, halfway through the album. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. That's un, that's unfortunate. Although you said Hope Avenue, you really liked. Yeah. So maybe I'll give that one another go. I'll mm-hmm. give Hope Avenue another go. You got to give Real Thing another go. Sure. Because because uh, yeah, I I I I have to. I do have to admit, I only listened to this once through, and so I hadn't had really sat on it. I hadn't really had a chance to uh, digest it and really see if anything settles in. Um, but I it, it, well, it's it's hard to because like if you're disappointed, and this is a band that we followed for a while. This is a band that's had so many releases and so many creative outputs that when you when you get one that's just kind of like eh. Uh, it's then hard to re-motivate yourself. Like, again, I only listened to it the second time today because I forced my two bit myself <laughs> to. Because I said, no, 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 I've sat with it. I need to listen to it again. But uh, I, what I will agree with is The Maze. Well, we, we also we both like The Maze. Yeah. The Maze is a really amazing track. And it really show it really shows the potential of what this album had. Mm. And, and so you kind of, that's the thing. You kind of listen to the songs that you liked. And it kind of makes you sad because you're like, oh, I would have loved a whole album worth of those. Well, what's what's the theme of this album? What were they trying to convey? I think there's um, a music concept- conceptually to me. There's something I don't know. There's something kind of otherworldly about it that, but it just doesn't. It just doesn't go hard enough. Maybe no. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, it just uh, the biggest shame. Here's the biggest shame of the album. There's the track alone. It's actually an okay. It's an okay song. I don't mind it. But there's the first like six seconds of it. If you listen to it with headphones, I'm telling you, it sounds like it's leading into something awesome. <laughs> like I'm, I'm serious. Like it, that, like that. Those those six seconds are probably the best six seconds of the album. <laughs> and, I, and I just and then when it just goes into the track proper, I'm like. Ugh. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, something else was like that. Oh, uh, it, uh, is uh, it is you. It is oh, you. Oh, that only that was more like stark. Like that, <laughs> like the fa- the fact that it, oh, it, that song opened like that is weird. Yeah. But with this one, it sounds like it just like they just didn't. They knew there was something there, and they didn't know what to capitalize on to make the song work. Mm. 
Yeah, and then at the end, it just it gets a little bit of a predictable song, and and and, and that's that's just unfortunate. So somebody should sample that six seconds and make it into something <laughs> uh, like that. That is that's good. That's ripe for the picking. Since since stars weren't able to make it happen, somebody else do it. Um, so what I would say is, with this being the last stars album thus far. Four and I, a half, it's been four and a half years. That's I think the I have, longest gap. It, I think it is too. I have had, but there's no there's no sense because their Twitter's still active. There's no sense that they're calling it quits. Oh, uh, actually, they're no, they aren't calling it quits. I, I suppose now would be an appropriate time to mention they have a Patreon. Oh, they do. They have a Patreon, and they're very active on their Patreon. Um, so to me, this does seem like maybe they knew that the album wasn't what they wanted it to be, and they're recharging their batteries. Because honestly. Like, like when it comes down to it, you know, they've been busy mm-hmm. and it's, it never hurts to take a break and it never hurts to take a break and just like get the creative juices flowing and then and reconsider what it is that you want to be for a band. Um, mm. So I, I would love to see where they go next, because um, ultimately what it does come down to is every album has something worth listening to. Yes. Um, and th- and sometimes that's got tons of stuff worth listening to, and and they've got a couple classics in their library. So, um, you know, I, I would love to have them back, and I would love to see what they have in them with this much more time to consider where they want to go. Yeah. So I went to their website to kind of look up to see yeah. what they've been up to. Uh, not a lot. They're still promoting. Um, they're still promoting the um, fluorescent uh, fluorescence. Uh, there's no love in fluorescent lights. The problem is, is that I keep thinking of that cut copy album, shines like like neon light. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they're still promoting that, but then they have a link to the, and because I was also looking for like maybe a little more history on them because they're always so vague, um, except for Torque, who was like a child actor. Uh, they then link to the to the community on Patreon. Uh, you are stars. Uh, look for you are stars, and they uh, they have a couple tiers of membership, but. This is interesting. I found this kind of funny. They said, the first one, uh, $7 per month. No one is lost. We do not have tiers. We have one membership. We don't believe if you have more money, you should make you should have more access. We are socialists. The meek are getting ready. We love you equally. So we have one prize to open the passenger door. You will have access to first listens to all new music, surprise downloads of rare songs, first access to concert tickets, invites to meet us at any concert you purchase a ticket, patron-only patron live streams, uh, surprise downloads. And then you're like, well, hold on. They've got two more tiers. Uh, they say basically the same thing. People have expressed the desire to give more support for us to make the things. As we said in tier one, we believe in training our fans equally, but we wanted to create the opportunity for you to give more as this has been asked of us. Thank you so much. So you can give more. You're just not going to get any more. Okay, fair enough. If some people I mean, are just like... Some people have the money to burn or they just really want to invest in stars, then okay, go for it. Yeah, so they only have 1,100 pat- patrons. Uh, they're aiming for 5,000. Uh, once they hit 5,000, they say they're going to have a, uh, stripped down live stream concert at their studio. But yeah, they've been, they've been busy. The last, uh, update was about a week ago. Nightbird spin sessions. Cranley cooks up coconut rice. Hmm. The final countdown on New Year's Eve. Looks like they're doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So they, they are very active on Patreon. So they're, they're still doing stuff. Maybe they're just, maybe they're not unlike Weird Al seeing the trends about full releases. Is that is is it does it make more logistical sense for them as an act to have dedicated following repeatedly giving them money or 
them doing a release every few years and who knows how well that's going to do. Like, like maybe, maybe that's it. Or, or maybe they're going to do both. I don't know. I, w- I would like, I would, I would really like another album. If they need to take some time to make the album, go for it. But I would like a stronger, stronger finish, you know? Kind of like um, with um, Ultravox, that even though the last album they put out wasn't great, it was way better than the one previous. Mm, and at yeah. least it was a cap to their career. And at least it, like, it felt like it was the same band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. so, so, some of those Ultravox albums were pretty crummy. But <laughs> anyways... Um, so that's that's what stars is up to right now. So they're they're still doing stuff, but you got to look onto Patreon for it. And it does surprise me they only have eleven hundred patrons. That le- that legitimately surprises me. Well, that's not bad, honestly. That as far as patrons go, that's not bad. I'd have to see if there's comparable music acts to see what 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 is sort of the norm. Fair. So I don't I don't really know like as far as because some people just like like usually myself included like there's a. Peace us or peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I would, I would join his Patreon, except uh, all the things like I've been just a fan of his for so long. He's like, he's like access to my back catalog. I'm like, I already bought the whole back catalog, dude. <laughs> like, uh, like I, I think I just made you to go with like, I'll just buy whatever you put out, and that's my way of supporting you. Um, because he has <laughs> 34 patrons. Ouch. <laughs> oh, you know, like it's it's just uh, he's a small he's a much smaller act than stars. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So uh, you know the and again I I didn't I don't I I just buy his stuff and some people are just gonna be like hey if you put out new material I'll buy it or I'll stream it in this day and age I guess it's you know the problem is it's hard to get people to invest money in music these days because yes. of what's because of what uh, streaming has done it's really hard. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I can't say for sure what the uh, what the stars patron is like and how successful I would call it. But uh, honestly, like that's that's a good number of people who are willing to put in seven or more bucks a month. Uh, if they were all seven, which they aren't, but if they're all seven, they're looking at eight grand a month, split between at least five, I guess, at least five of them. Um, but I mean, if, obviously, some people if they, obviously some, some people, people wanted more. Have yeah. been willing to put in more money, like, and that's per month. Like that's yeah. uh, honestly like. That's way more than be making off of a person just buying one of their albums. Yeah. So no, yeah, and that's money in their pocket too. Like, I mean, Patreon takes a cut, of course. Yeah. But not as much as a like a record industry in a CD store. You know, like these <laughs> those those old concepts. <laughs> um, so at the end of the day, uh, that's still net positive on their part. So. Yeah. Let's get into track recommendations. Oh yeah, these this is tough. There's so this is m- tough. There's so many great ones. Qu- question is, first of all, are we including anything from Do You Trust Your Friends? Um, I didn't, but if you want to, I won't rule it out. No, I'm I'm actually leaning towards not myself, but I want to know how you felt. Nah, <laughs> no, because <laughs> you know I think those are really the projects of somebody else. I mean, we can, we've we've already given a hearty recommendation to their uh, to the to the album. Oh man, I just uh, you know I just I was having a, such a tough time trying to land on something. The ghost of Genova Heights, man. Yeah, such a good one. Like, okay, when I hear that that opening, I'm I'm instantly like. <laughs> it's uh it's it's got a groove that you gotta move your body to and i love that falsetto i love the i love the synthesizers like the in especially in the background you can really hear the like it's just oh it's just so compelling it's so kind of like theatrical in this presentation and i i just think it's it's uh one of their best tracks and it was it was definitely like a a, a landmark track for them i feel uh, I just feel like it just—it's what kind of informed their direction for years to come, for better or for worse. Um, I don't know if they, yeah, it's—it's it's just so good, guys, so good. 
Gotta check it out. 14 Forever off of the Sad Robots EP. Yeah. I'm gonna say 14 Forever because uh, there's a synth part in the chorus. It's kind of na 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 that I just uh, it's just so sweet and compelling and um, and just it just kind of sits in the back of your mind as you're listening to the lyrics. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just a cool kind of like nostalgia track that I think could be easily overlooked if you're not one to dive into EPs. Um, again, like the EPs from Stars, I just typically say you know don't skip on them. They're mm-hmm. they're, they're really solid releases and sometimes. Mark as a as a a turning point in where they're going to go next or where they have been. And in this case, uh, the Rosetta Robot CP was where they had been. Oh boy, you know I want to throw in something a little more from the more recent years. You know, because so, you know I don't want to I don't want to talk smack. I don't want to leave on a, a negative note. But I also really want to put something from yeah, set, set yourself on fire. <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna go back on what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, He Lied About Death. Mm. Uh, I just think that song is so cool. And you just really gotta listen to it. Just some really interesting stuff musically going on in there. Um, just, yeah, just j- jump on it. That's that's a classic track. Again, unless you have issues with really high pitch frequency sounds, <laughs> don't do it. But um, but it's just, it's a great track. That For nothing else, that awesome saxophone solo. Just go for the saxophone. You know, go... Come for the song, stay for the sax. <laughs> the sax, man! Alright, your moves. Sorry. Yeah, this is rough. Uh, I'm actually deep cut first. I'm going to go off the comeback EP. I'm going to say Violent. It is an aspect of romance that uh, Stars only rarely dips into, in that um, the two are expressing a violent love for each other. They're not going to go like like beat each other up, but the emotion is an aggression. It's It's being overcome with and overwhelmed by by a feeling so strong that you can only uh, you can only describe it as as violence, even though it's tender. And I love that. And, and but the thing that I love the most about it is that uh, that vocal production. When Torque finishes his first his first verse, and then the guitar comes in, and then Amy Amy's voice suddenly breaks through with that with that vocal distortion put on it. And then, you know, lines like, I dig in the diamond mines, we search for things like you. I mean, instantly gripping song. Fantastic, fantastic, especially for a very, very early track of theirs. Yeah, ah, boy. I think I'm also going to go with Life 2, The Unhappy Ending. This one is a very torque-heavy song. And I, I think I kind of I kind of talked about it when we were talking about the album, but there is something that I think basically everybody, uh, a feeling everybody can relate to. It's like, oh man, this is not how I thought my life was going to go. You know, there were things I wanted to do. There were places I wanted to go. There, were, I had plans, I, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, 10 years have gone by and this is, this is not how I thought things were going to be. He says that it was supposed to be a thriller. It was supposed to be a film. Uh, but life could be nothing but a joke. You know, where's my unhappy ending gone? Yeah, he, he had the, the romantic, and I'm using romantic not in the love sense, but in the uh, idealized sense, version of his life. And instead, it's it's not. It's kind of real. Instead, it, just, it is. And that's... Uh, Amy does have a very small portion in it, and very nice, a very nice little bridge uh, to kind of, um, to kind of, you know, calm things down a bit but then the instrumentation kicks back in and there's a, a little micro guitar solo which which really amps the energy back up oh it's it's a fantastic song it's a real highlight 
And then just because I don't want to be a downer, like like what you said about the latter <laughs> part of the career, let's let's bring some love to let's bring some love to the maze. Sure. Um, you know, honestly, I I spoke again when I was talking about the album about about that that feeling of being in the night, and that feeling of being lost and in the dark. And I mean, what a fantastic song! What a fantastic song! And it's like what you said. There was promise for the album that it could have sounded more like this. It could have sounded more like. Like the album as a whole could have been exploring themes about uh, abandonment. Like that's a great theme, and that can relate in a number of ways. Like physically abandoned, abandoned in a relationship. I mean that's that's a real tangible theme, and I feel like it's only hinted at through the album. And the maze, I think, is is one of those songs that actually that actually really kind of kind of grasps that that potential, and uh, a fantastic vocal performance by Tori. But honestly, I mean, I think we're just scratching the surface. There's a lot of fantastic. Oh yeah, fantastic I, can, I could easily songs. throw in a whole bunch more uh, recommendations for sure. There we go. The start, the infamous stars episode. We've spoken about them uh, numerous times, numerous, numerous times, but never actually dove deep into them. Uh, what are you thinking for tea? I wasn't sure, uh, but the first band that came to mind, and I thought this might be kind of cool, is to Tears for Fears. I am down for Tears for Fears. <laughs> yeah, I'm down yeah. for. I'm down for Tears for Fears. Yeah, because because yeah. they got uh, they just released some new material, so right. it's actually the timing couldn't be better. Yeah. Okay. All right, folks. Tears for Fears. Uh, everybody wants to rule the world. Shouts and truthfully, a lot of really really good songs. Mm-hmm. We can talk about our. Uh, we have the best of Tears for Fears, but we have two different bests of. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, fa- fantastic suggestion, Doug. Bravo. Sometimes <laughs> I just feel inspired. It was really like I was just thinking it today, and then the first song, the first band that came to mind to start with T was like, I'm like, oh, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what do you think of Stars, dear listener? Did you listen to our Rosebuds <laughs> episode? What do you What do you think about that? Oh, by the way, a coworker of mine listened to our Rosebuds episode and misheard you and thought that you were saying that the Lion King. Was a kids movie, and I say no, no, no. He was talking about the Lion King one and a half. That was that was meant for, that oh. was geared towards kids. But yeah, you almost had you almost had somebody wanting to track you down and kill you. Woo! Yeah, I got nothing but nice things to say about the Lion King. <laughs> there we go. The original Lion King, not the 2019 CG remake. That one. Uh, 2019. Yeah. Is it what really? Yeah. Oh good lord. Yeah, it was bef- before things closed. Oh good um, lord. <clears throat> anyway, but uh, that's a. That's a discussion for a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, uh, oh, hey, what do you think about Tears for Fears? Or how about any band we have covered or any band you think we should cover? There's a few ways of getting a hold of us. Honestly, providing feedback on a podcasting platform, whether it's iTunes or Apple Music or whatever the hell, I cannot guarantee that we will necessarily get it because there's a lot of podcasting uh, services out there. So if you really want to get a hold of us, uh, first I'll say the Facebook page, really good idea. Music A to Z podcast, look us up. I'm trying to, to still post things on there. I realize sometimes I fall by the wayside, but, uh, but if you got, if you got, uh, the means to, uh, to post there, by all means, please do it. I also have a Twitter account at Music A Z podcast, at Music A Z podcast. I still check that one regularly because Twitter is very good about hounding me with notifications. Uh, but those are the two primary places where I would go to chat with us about music because we would love to chat with you. Doug, what have you been up to? I'm telling you right now, so much. Just go to YouTube, look up moving underscore pictures, or look up something like Ali Hasn't or Beast Wars Wednesday, Back to Icon. I got a lot of web shows, arguably too many, <laughs> but check them out anyway. Uh, moving pictures, find me, I'm Decepticon Doug. Pictures with a K. 
Picture? It's she, yes. Pictures with a K. <laughs> Check me out there. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's where it's at. Yeah, and uh, also, as... Mentioned earlier, I have a radio show. It's Prog Rock Alley. Uh, you can check that out because we live in the digital age. You are not restricted to listen to the radio via radio. You can look us up on the internet, coopradio.org, uh, Prog Rock Alley. You know, there's tons of radio, like Radio Player Canada is an app. And, you know, if you're interested in hearing some Prog Rock, and Doug is gracious enough to provide me with many a playlist, and you want to hear more music and less talking, because some people do. I've gotten comments in the past, like, why are you guys talking so much? It's like, well, you know, I'm a little worried running a foul, uh, running a foul, you know, uh, copyright issues uh, on radio. It's all good. So if you want to hear more of the music side of things, look me up, Prog Rock Alley. Anything else, Captain? No. Okay. Just ask, just ask yourself, do you trust your friends? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to close this up by saying Music A to Z podcast is hosted by Stephen and Doug Ferguson. And it's produced by me, Steve Ferguson. You should check out our other works at stephengcferguson.ca and moving underscore pictures with a K on YouTube.